So did you guys hear about that new, uh, uh, it sounds like it's going to be like almost like a cross between like the Expendables and like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, but instead of like all the characters being uh, named after you know, like Renaissance artists, they're going to be named after composers. Did you hear about this? Oh, nope. no. No. Is this new? Is this new news to you, Steve? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know Stallone. You know, when they were talking to him about it, they were like picking what composers they were going to be. Stallone said, you know, hey, I'll play Beethoven. You know, I think. Uh, oh, God damn it. You know, Jason. <laughs> Jace- <laughs> I'm like a whole running ahead of the joke. The joke is so long up. and I'm already ahead of it. <laughs> Let me finish the joke. JCVD was like, you know, hey, I'll be Mozart, right? Schwarzenegger. You know what he said, Steve? <laughs> he said, I'll be Bach. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, boys and girls, to a very special showdown episode of Halloween is Forever. I'm Brian. I'm Steve. Hey, who's that over there? Who that boy is over there? Hey, everybody. It's Anthony from They Called Us a Movie. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for joining us. Very serendipitous that you would be in this place at this time on this Discord server, because we're about to do a podcast. Uh, Anthony, Anthony's going to join us here as our guest on this uh, this month, this August 2023 showdown episode steve you're getting good at this like at at, at this point you you finished most of the jokes before i started them. i feel like <laughs> in the, of the last maybe four you finished like three of the last four i don't know if that's you getting better or me just I sucking mean, ass I it was know. such a long joke it gave me so much time <laughs> to figure it out it was, it was a long way it was a long way for a very little payoff. Yeah. It was, you know, I guess it was on your mind because you went and saw the new Ninja Turtles movie. So, right. Yeah, exactly. I saw the Ninja Turtles movie. La- or no, wait, Friday night. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, just, uh, just 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 tickled me. <laughs> just tickled me. All right, um, guys, <laughs> we are here in the beautiful month of August already. Hard to believe. Um Guys, it's my birthday month. My birthday is this coming weekend when, when y'all are listening to this out here. So what that means is I'm fucking going full bore here. Getting rip-roaring ass drunk. We got a real hell of a showdown happening here. I got my Nasty Boy shirt on. Somebody's going to get fucking Northern Lights suplexed onto some tacks or something like that. But yeah, it's the August showdown episode, guys. I'll talk about what the hell that means here in a hot second. But as, uh, as y'all know, we do... Throw out some some sweet, salty, spicy new content every Monday uh, out on the interwebs. And then once a month, first Monday of the month, we do this here showdown episode. So we have a topic that was ultimately came from a big old list of topics um, that uh, either we added onto the spinny wheel or our social media friends and listeners added onto the spinny wheel. But ultimately, we picked three. Those got voted on on the social medias on Instagram and Twitter. And then then uh, once we had that topic, we each picked a movie or in this particular case, uh, first time ever individual scenes within some movies. Uh, we each picked one. We're going to discuss them. Like I said, no holds barred. Somebody's getting thrown off the top of the fucking hell in the cell. Um, and then eventually one of these some bitches, uh, hopefully me uh, as the defending champ. Some of one of us is going to take home that son of a bitch and championship strap for the month. Uh, Anthony's our guest. He's our guest challenger. 
this time around, this this month. Let me remind you, the topic for this month is good scenes in bad movies. Was this was this hard? Steve Steve mentioned he thought this was kind of a hard one uh, for him. Anthony, did you did you know immediately what you were going to, or did you really have to dig deep? It was a little difficult. I kind of did a crowd uh, sourcing. Uh, text mm. to my friends of because we at they call this movie we do cover bad movies yeah, yeah. all the time so we did have a a list of movies we could take mm-hmm. from there but I actually wound up pulling from when we used to actually mm. write reviews and we were doing 31 days of horror where we we're doing 31 movie reviews per for the month of october this actually the one i picked yeah. actually came from that so yeah remind remind the folks what your what your pick uh is for for uh for this year's showdown episode Sure. I picked the 2016 film Holidays, which is an anthology series, uh, and I picked a specific of the movies, probably, you know, towing the line there of what constitutes a scene and what doesn't constitute a scene. Mm-hmm. But I picked the Father's Day short in that, which is a pretty singular idea. It's, it's one extended scene, really, more or less. Mm-hmm. So I thought it fit. Um, but, you know, I was going back and forth between like, I think um Steve mentioned a scene from Jason X. I was also looking at like the cryogenic <laughs> death scene in that the head movie. smash, the frozen head smash. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking Nightmare on Elm Street five, which is a bad movie, but it's got some cool um, visuals and that I was going through there. But I was thinking, you know, as it's SummerSlam weekend and you guys usually talk wrestling uh, metaphors. You know, so I have a cup of coffee in the big show <laughs> this week. So I'm swinging for the fences. Coffee going, in off the the top rope. going off the top rope. <laughs> going off the top yeah. rope uh high mm. risk high reward mm. with this one feeling the madness feeling the madness here guys um yeah we are um this was an interesting pick that and and i've seen this movie that you picked holidays but i actually forgot about this one uh the, this this vignette or this this short the segment whatever you want to call it i actually forgot about that one the only one i ever remember is the fucking creepy uh uh, uh easter bunny you know, with the Jesus, Jesus, yep. Jesus, ready guys. So, but we'll get into that here in a second. Um, but yeah, I figured it'd be, I, I was interested to learn because you, listen, I'm not trying to weasel my way out of this. I'm not trying mm. to make excuses already, but you do a whole podcast on bad movies, right? Like not, yeah. not, not, not exclusively bad movies, but that is, no. that is the crux, you know, of, of a lot of the episodes that you guys do. So I thought, you know, this guy's coming in here, you know, it's, it, it's like, it's like when uh, you know Hulk Hogan came over to to WCW or something like that. You already you already got the, the heat. It's, it's kind of you know like I mean? it's kind of like facing the right. Undertaker in a casket match. It's his match. <laughs> That's a better right, analogy. Yeah. It's his match to lose. But but what that makes me feel like is I, I got nothing to lose, right? I'm, right. I'm just I'm I'm just sure. I'm shooting. That's all. That's all it is, right? Um, so, um, all right. Uh, and Steve, remind. Uh, Remind the folks what's, uh, what scene we're going to be talking about for you and what movie. Uh, we will be talking about the 1986 classic Maximum Overdrive. Mm. And the scene I picked is basically the penultimate scene of the film in which the trucks decide to destroy the entire <laughs> Dixie Boy gas station. Yeah. And it rules hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I will right off the bat poke a hole here. If you can call it a classic, maybe you shouldn't have picked it. I'm just saying. Is it's a it classic really piece that of bad? Shit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 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 I actually think it's movies like universally loved. I'm just saying. But yes, I you understand think why it was. Internet it was a says horrible, <laughs> It was a horrible, horrible bomb, and uh, people just yeah. Stephen King uh, wanted to bury it underground. Yeah, when the director himself is embarrassed and says it's a movie for morons, it. <laughs> I think <laughs> classifies. I know, I'm, you, I'm giving you a hard time. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, of course, a movie that is just universally hated, and I think it's due. I think it's it's due for a resurgence for a cult following. No. I chose uh, a scene from two, two. No, you're not on board for that, Steve. Um, no. 2008, <laughs> The Happening, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, and I'm talking about that that early scene. Um, really pointed. I think it's the opening scene, if I recall, of the um, Central Park scene. So we'll talk about that here in a hot, hot sec. But well, we got the hiccups. We got some other shit we got to do. First of all, um, if you want to help us suggest topics for this type of content in the future, if you got a, a topic suggestion that could be a showdown, or even if you got an idea for a mini sode, you just like, hey, well, here's this fucking wild ass movie y'all should watch, and then do a mini sode on it. We do that quite often. Send it our way in the DMs on the social medias at Halloween's Forever on, you know, whatever things be happening. I think I heard Chippy Tight on threads. I did hear that. Uh, I don't know if it still is. Um, but then we also have an X now, you know, which obviously Twitter converted entirely, which I think everyone's just waiting for their opportunity to get the fuck off of that piece of shit website. <laughs> um, then we got the Instagram. We got TikToks. Or if you want to send us uh, an old-fashioned email, you can do that by sending it to uh, HalloweenIsForeverPod at gmail.com as well. Um, all right. Uh, also, we released, between last episode and this episode, we have released our first ever episode of our Patreon-exclusive podcast, Family, Family is Forever. Is forever. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Steve, remind the folks, or if they're joining in here, we're starting to get that little, you know, Halloween, the spooky season's creeping up on us, so we're starting to get that little bump. So we probably got some new listeners. Explain to the people what the family is forever is, because it, it makes no fucking sense. It's, it's asinine. <laughs> it makes plenty of sense. No, it's a it's not. it's a social experiment of one person. <laughs> oh, okay. Of one yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> uh but Family is Forever is our monthly exclusive podcast on Patreon in which Brian and I will sit down and watch the entirety of the Fast and the Furious franchise because Brian has never seen any of the films. And except I, for the first one. Except for the first one. And especially now yeah. that we've rewatched it and did the, did the episode, he has that mm -hmm. one in the bank. We're, I do. August, we're moving on to Too Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious. Yep. And I'm excited... Um, and now I wish that we would have called it instead of families forever. We could have called it too fat, too furious. And it's, <laughs> it's two middle aged, um, overweight guys talking about fast and furious. Well, maybe that's um, just the episode name when it comes out. The episode is too fat, too furious. Yeah. And it's just us eating like fucking chili dogs and sheets oh, yeah. or something like Chanel. that. Um, <laughs> anyway, this, uh, movie sucked ass that's the furious first movie i completely misremembered how truly awful it was but i will tell you and i will i will uh, uh submit to this because i have said in the past i have i have went on record as saying um that you can sign up on the patreon patreon.com forward slash halloween is forever and if you give us uh, uh five dollars a month 
um, you get access to the Discord and some some fun exclusive content, uh, and then you also uh, get to uh, you know listen to the the episodes of Families Forever. Three dollars gets you some other fun stuff as well. Just give us five dollars, give us the paper money, and listen to the episode, you fuckers. Um, I have said in the past that it's not worth any amount of money. <laughs> and to stick your money up your ass. I think I've said that to the listeners in the past. Yes. But I will admit that I really had a blast talking about how fucking stupid this movie is. Right. And it was very fun. <laughs> it was a very fun, funny episode. We laughed a lot on the episode. So uh, you should check it out. I can't guarantee that it's going to continue to go as swimmingly as it did in the first episode. But um, ch- ch- check it out over there. It was, I will admit, it was fun to talk about. It was not fun to watch. It was not fun to watch. <laughs> it's it basically... I, uh, some of our most popular episodes of Halloween is forever is when we talk about movies that are just garbage, just dog shit. Yeah, like, it, because we have we have no intention of treating the film nice or the filmmakers nice, <laughs> you know, right. And, and it's just being goofy and having a time. And that's mm-hmm. what family is forever is, except for mm-hmm. it's all episodes of that. Every episode yeah. is going to be that like yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's never going to be, well, th- this was actually an enjoyable experience. No, no, <laughs> it's all it's all bagging and dick and fart jokes and bafflement. I, I think at some point, because we have 19 freaking movies to talk about that franchise, I'm going to start to get so wildly stoned for <laughs> the, the viewings that it's going to just it's, it's going to go off the fucking rails. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, I just thought about this. We should consider this as well. We're talking about how uh, uh, Glenn Danzig, the Gabagool himself, is coming <laughs> to uh, Pittsburgh uh, soon for a concert. We were talking about uh, we were talking about um, making a pilgrimage downtown to see uh, Glenn Danzig and Behemoth and a couple other things. That is a great opportunity for a Halloween is if forever uh, meet up there at the Glenn Danzig concert. <laughs> at Come the on. Danzig. <laughs> hey, we're going to see the Danzig. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe that'll be part of the uh, uh, part part of the Patreon situation as well. Anyway, again, uh, Patreon.com forward slash Halloween is forever. Go ahead and check it out. Um, all right, all of this plugs into things out of the way for us, uh, real quick, because we always end up forgetting and doing this at the end, which I think is is stupid. How about Anthony? Tell us a little bit about your show, because if people like our show, they they probably gonna like your show, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I your mileage may vary, but <laughs> yeah, uh, we are. They called us a movie. We watch bad movies. So this is a fitting a fitting topic to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve has joined us for a couple episodes, usually during the Halloween season. And we covered uh, Death Spa with him earlier last month. Uh, recently, we watched the Robert Zadar starring classic killing American style. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so we're weekly podcast. We talk about bad quote in quotes, you know, cult classics, B movies and all that kind of stuff. So you can check us out on all those socials at Tictam Pod and uh, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Just for looking for They Called Some Movie. Go down there to the podcast store. They're down there. They're on sale. <laughs> um, yeah. We um, I just watched Death Spa not that long ago, um, like probably within the last two months. I actually watched it with my wife. That movie's fucking hilarious. I forgot how funny and stupid <laughs> that movie is, and how just, it was a lot of fun. So, ch- but also like how charming it is, kind of yeah. too. Like, <laughs> it's really genuinely enjoyable. I was I was giving serious consideration to picking the opening of that film for this episode <laughs> because it's yeah. it's yeah. a long artistic one shot with a little bit of cheese for the lightning hitting the the 
uh, sign that turns into Death Spa. Yeah. But otherwise, right. it's pretty artistic and leads into like this, you know, dreamlike dance sequence. And I was like, man, I kind of want to pick that. But also, you know, I just did the episode on there and it feels like too on the nose. It feels like cheating, appealing to, yeah. Anth- appealing to <laughs> Anthony of like, remember when I was on your show? Remember how much fun yeah, we had? Right. <laughs> <You> remember? <laughs> remember? It would have worked, too. It would have worked. He's, just, he's a sucker for that kind of stuff. I love... Yeah. Um, I love how many people have to die before they start to really consider shutting things down at the, <laughs> at the spa. <laughs> it's like 30 people are dead and they're like, maybe we should just shut it down. Maybe we should go out of business. It's a real Jaws, mayor in Jaws scenario where the, uh, the lawyer is like, you can't shut it down. This is our best. This, our Mardi Gras party is, is where we get all our subscriptions. <laughs> yeah. You know how that works with gyms uh, having parties. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, all right. Before we get into the, these here scenes, uh, I think everybody's got a beer here. Let's 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 talk about some some beers, geese. Steve, I, I know you got you're, you're drinking that uh, that gasolina over there. I think you said. So what, what do you got? Oh, yeah, I got gasolina. I am mm-hmm. drinking from Three Floyds, one of the most beloved breweries full of garbage i would say (laughs) and also not garbage but you know people make a pilgrimage to indiana to go see a metal concert and a stout release like that's garbage (laughs) that's garbage drinking but uh today i am drinking pillar of beasts and it is a 13 and a half percent barley wine style ale that is salted caramel and then aged in bur- uh, aged in bourbon oak barrels on vanilla and cocoa nibs. <sighs> you know, I, I there's obviously elements of that that sound good. I like a bourbon barrel aged beer. I, I like cocoa nibs as an ingredient because it doesn't add all like candyish, disgusting sweetness. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you lost me right off the bat with salted caramel. Yeah. You know, it's just a flavor that rarely doesn't come across as completely artificial to me um in in flavoring things whether it's beer or or or, i mean unless it's like literal salted caramels or a confection or ice cream it's it's just to me sounds artificial i don't know why it i'll i'll say it is a little mellow um you don't get any of that vanilla or cocoa nibs so that those just might be a little bit of sweetness coming through Mm -hmm. but it it drinks pretty like hot up front, like a hot barley wine in a barrel and then finishes mm. off with a salted caramel. It's it's not too gross. I was expecting very gross, but it's actually not too gross. If it wasn't like 90 degrees outside, I think I would be more inclined <laughs> to agree with you. <laughs> well. The idea of drinking just motor oil, caramel flavored motor oil <laughs> on like a 90 degree day sounds disgusting. <laughs> I am sweaty. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> Anthony, what do you what do you got over there? What you drinking? I have, and this is the first time I've ever had it, so I have to look at the can. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, from Bolero Snort Brewery in Carlstadt, New Jersey. Okay. It is called the Bull Shark Fruited Sour. Oh, all right. It hmm. is a sour ale with raspberry, passion fruit, prickly pear, and lemon. Mm. Hmm. Got a little. So it's very good. Leftover from Shark Week, I assume. Yeah, right. Host. So it's very good. It's got a nice color to it. Um, 
and my wife is a very big critic of beer itself, but she mm. actually likes this. Usually she's just like every time she tastes the beer that I have, she's like, yeah, it just tastes like beer. Yeah. Uh, but she actually liked this one. So it's very good. Very flavorful. Interesting. I like it. I like it. I'm not from not familiar with that brewery. Uh, this is the first time I've ever seen anything from them. Yeah. I have got I don't even know where Carlstad, New Jersey. Is. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, I know where a lot of New Jersey towns are. Carlstad. That's got to be up north somewhere because I have no idea where that is. Um, I am. Uh, I have some self-respect is basically what it, when I want to preface this by you, you DJs drinking your gloop glop. <laughs> I'm drinking a little uh, of the uh, the Augustina Brown München Edelstoff Helaga beer. Little uh, uh, of the uh, the 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 Hellas the export version of Augustiner Hellas the Edelstoff. So basically, slightly uh, higher ABV, five point seven percent rather than I think like four point seven percent version of their um, of their Hellas. So I think people call it like a Dortmunder. Like mm. a Dortmunder export, even though it's not from Dortmund, it's from Munich. I think if somebody called it a, a fest beer, they probably wouldn't be too far off. But it's like a hoppier, stronger version of the Hellas. And uh, and I love this beer. It's so fucking good. Um, Whatever, Dork. Uh, you're outnumbered this episode. It's, sli- <laughs> yeah, it's <am>. slime time. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's slime time over here with these fucking gloop gloppers. But I'm holding it down. <laughs> drinking a good old-fashioned German lager beer. Um... But uh, yeah, somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody's got to somebody's got to, you know, have a little bit of, you know, keep our name, uh, you know, with a little respect on the name, right? For the podcast, because otherwise Steve Soju Steve's fucking drinking gasoline and Zoom Zoom juice. Oh, yeah. Um, so. So I, I, I want to jump just to just a little bit of beer kind of news just to get because you were saying how, Brian, you are not into the salted caramel. Mm-mm. Have you seen what the new pumpkin is for this year? <sighs> I have not. It is salted caramel pumpkin. <laughs> Lame. Mm. Lame. Um, I always get some pumpkin every year. I'll get a four pack of it. You know, I, I've got a lot of nostalgia for it. I've been drinking that beer since fucking probably 2006. Um, at least I love the beer. It's feel like it's gotten sweeter and sweeter every year. Yes. Maybe it's just my palate has gotten away from sweetness. <laughs> um, but most of the variants on it, with the exception of Warlock, just I, I, I think I could leave in. I think I could leave every one of them. The the coffee one I like because the coffee one actually coffee dials good. back on the sweetness. Yeah, you're right. The coffee one was pretty good, too. I forgot about that one. But wasn't there like a rum barrel aged one? Oh, that was and terrible. There was. Yeah. Oh, good God. And then there was a I don't think it was Mexican chocolate, but it was something like that. Right. I forget. Yeah, they've had a number um, of just ugh. throwing shit at the wall. Straight poop, straight poop. If Meg was here, she would be telling us about how she can't even smell it because she used to have to <laughs> do all the spice additions. And, you know, uh, she, she can't deal with the smell of that beer anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do like it every year. I will not be partaking in this salted caramel version of it. Um, honestly. Listen, I don't know if you remember last year, but I got behind that Jacko, that Sam Adams Jacko. Yeah. Nothing special, but low ABV, tons of spice, really well balanced, cheap, dirt cheap, killer pumpkin beer. I mean, Jim Cook can fuck himself, but that beer's <laughs> good. That's good. Isn't Sam Calgione taking over now? Isn't it like he's like going to be the new guy over at uh, you know Boston Beer slash Dogfish Head? I don't know. I assume, I assume um, that's the you know, retirement string or whatever, whenever Jim Cook mm-hmm. fucks off. 
Sam Calzone yeah. will take his place. Yeah, but um, yeah, that that beer that beer absolutely fucks. Um, all right, let's get into you know what that got me excited too, Steve. Because now the spooky shit. Kate picked up, uh, actually not Kate, but a friend of ours picked up because we don't have a Sam Club Sam's Club membership. Um, got me the four pack that they're selling at Sam at Sam's Club of the monster cereals. It's oh. got the Calchocula. It's got the Booberry. It's got the Frankenberry. And then the new one. I assume you've seen the new one. The Apple Caramel Caramella or whatever. Uh, yeah. Caramella Creeper, guys. It's like a <laughs> caramel apple thing. It's going to be <laughs> probably dog shit. I don't care. I am so excited to try it. I'm a fucking monster cereal fiend. So I'm excited for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that just got me psyched up to try all the dumb new uh, spooky snacks this year. Yeah, it's pretty much Halloween, by the way, guys. FYI, it's <laughs> August. Uh, it's it, my birthday's next week. That's the official kickoff to Halloween season. It's under 100 days um, to Halloween. The Acme near me is already selling Halloween candy. So hell yeah. Hell yeah. Bring it to me. I'm looking for it the day after July 5th. I'm looking for it and I get pissed if I don't find it. <laughs> I hear Sheets has got some as well. So yeah, go to Sheets. Oh yeah, I already got. I already had my first uh, Reese's Pumpkin of the year. They got a Twix, a Frankenstein Twix. Oh. that got a green, a green situation, a green cookie on the inside. How'd you, how'd you have a Reese's Pumpkin this early and just not it be melted? Like it's been 90 oh, plus degrees. This is the time to get them. No, this is the time to get them because they're so fresh. Mm. Hot off the <laughs> line so fresh. from the Reese's people factory. Don't, <laughs> people don't realize that candy bars there is freshness associated with candy bars. It's like people don't realize that beer, you know, ages mm-hmm. candy bars, a fresh Reese's. Oh, so good. Like a like an eight month old Reese's garbage. <laughs> fresh. Got to get those freshies. I'm cruising for freshies. <laughs> at the sheetsies. Um, I ain't dealing with no shelfy Mallow cup sitting on the shelf. <laughs> no. Fuck you. Fuck you. Show me the money. Show me the freshies. Um, all right, let's get into these fucking scenes, these movies. Um, so for those of you new to the show, like I said, your boy does have that son of a bitch and championship strap. Uh, been walking around with it for a few uh, for a few weeks now. Um, and uh, I get to pick the order in which we discuss um, uh, the, these here scenes. So, you know, as I say, to the victor go to the spoils. I think I am going to uh, I think I'm going to bring up the rear. I'm going to be an old backdoor boy again. I'm going to do third. Um, let's do this. Let's go Steve first. <clears throat> then we go Anthony. We sandwich. We play a little, make a little Anthony sandwich. He'll go in the middle. And then, like I said, I'm going to be a backdoor boy once again because it paid off for me in the past. So let's 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 do it that way. How's that sound? Sure. Yeah. It right. works for me. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's go me first and uh, just shoot the load. Just... <laughs> <laughs> that's what i would call it yeah just shoot the load this is definitely just shoot the load everything goes off at mm. once this is explosive <laughs> hot start it is <laughs> it's a hot start we're getting a hot hot start so yes uh you know even though we're going to be talking about just one scene there, there's a couple things i'll point out through maximum overdrive and you know the other two they can present as they want but, you know, there's just a few things I just want to talk about as far as Maximum Overdrive. Oh, one, it is from 1986. We all know this. And it is starring Emilio Estevez. We also know this. <laughs> mm-hmm. What people may not uh, know is that 
there's a number of other uh, I wouldn't say full stars, but like just character actors who pop up. Most notable yep. is Pat Hengel. Uh, Pat Hengel is, you know, by far and like a huge character actor up until, you know, like the mid 2000s when he passed away. But I would say everybody knows him from the Tim Burton era Batman series being uh, Commissioner Gordon. But mm-hmm. he is absolutely unhinged in this movie. As just the sleaze ball Dixie Boy owner, mm-hmm. <laughs> who also has militia style weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I got eggs on. I yeah. got eggs. On. I don't give a goddamn. You get your ass in here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, wearing like a fucking. <laughs> Colonel Sanders suit, just like in the middle of the summer. Oh, yeah. He's he's full on, like, probably related to Porky somehow. Like Porky and Boss Hog are in his family tree. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and Foghorn Leghorns like his uncle as well. <laughs> I see, I see, I see, I see. They are. At any point, you just expect him to go. Now I'm just a simple country lawyer, like and dab the back of his neck with a handkerchief. Now I'm just a simple gas station owner, and I know that these trucks ain't supposed to be driving themselves. <laughs> they ain't a supposed. To, I say they ain't a supposed. To. Uh, we also get Yeardley Smith in a role that predates The Simpsons. Mm. Uh, you'll you'll. Yep everybody should recognize her as the voice of Lisa and you should recognize it in this movie as like, wow, that sounds a lot like Lisa Simpson, but saying cusses. <laughs> saying yeah. swear words. Yeah. Hollering. Yeah. She, I mean, that's gotta be like pretty much the, own, this and Lisa Simpson. I mean, there's there, I feel like there's other things, but like you could give me all night. And I couldn't come up with them. Like that's what I know her from is those two things. Yeah. And she's just, but her her voice is Lisa's voice. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, she, she's not really doing. She, she's not Hank Azarying this, where he's got a whole bunch of different voices. It's like that's her. Yeah, yeah. That's just her walking around voice. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's not like Harry Shearer, who like you know, <laughs> yeah. he changed his voice a little bit, and you go, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> two other notables in this: uh, Frankie Faison, who just I love because he was he was Barney as the orderly in the like Hannibal Lecter series of films, but also was Commissioner Irv in The Wire. I just love The Wire. Still haven't then, watched it. Yeah. Just that, that one's just a personal one for me. But uh, mm-hmm. another one that may have gone missed by a lot of the people who watched was Giancarlo Esposito, who most people know from Breaking mm-hmm. Bad is Gus Fring. Yeah. He is yeah. the guy who gets electrocuted in the arcade. <laughs> He's the guy stuffing his pockets full of smokes. Yeah. And and grabbing quarters and shit. Yeah. yeah. Very young. And... A young, young Gus Freem. Yeah. But like this isn't even his first role. I guess his first role dates all the way back to the 50s. He was on a, a soap opera very early. So like, Wow. He, he, yeah. I, didn't know, I did not know that. So wait, how old was he in this? Because I would have assumed he was like you know late teens early 20s in 86 yeah maybe he was older than that yeah no i think he i think he was probably like a child actor in the 50s and then you know he was probably in his early 30s at this point yeah he was he just might have been able to play a little you know a little younger but Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i'm thinking about i'm like dang he was pretty he's getting up there when breaking bad was around but yeah he's yeah he's been around so, yeah, uh, just a couple notable stands at standouts in this film. 
Uh, mm -hmm. And then the other notable standout is that Stephen King directed this film. <laughs> and he directed it and short, quick cameo. Quick cameo in the beginning. Yep. Uh, is, yeah, ATM calls him an asshole. Right. <laughs> 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 to which he calls out to somebody off screen. Hey, this thing called me an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, in Creepshow, like, I just love when Stephen King, because he's he doesn't, you know, act a ton, but he's very hammy. Yeah. And he also is cross-eyed, yeah. which I really appreciate. He's not super cross-eyed in this, but no. in other times when he's on camera, you get that bill of cross-eyedness. And I just appreciate that. Yeah. Like, you can almost guarantee, like, he's a cameo in his own film. Uh, mm -hmm. or in any adaptation of his film, he's going to be a cameo and he's going to be like the weird bit of levity that just like winks at the audience and says, ah, this was a book that was, it was written. It's not real. Don't be too scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he does. He, I mean, he has a good sense of humor, obviously just having, you know, if you've ever seen him in interviews and stuff like that. Um, but I do like that. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He always makes himself a goofy character. Yeah. Now, whether or not he remembers doing any of this. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I assume Steve will get into uh, the, the 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 just like um, metric ton of coke he was doing on a daily basis around this time in his life, I think. Yeah, and it, it's pretty well documented that he was coked out of his mind while shooting this film. And it shows in a lot of the things that he was putting on screen. Uh, I, we talked about it in the last episode while we were you know discussing our picks but like this film is full of possible scenes that are like pretty awesome you know we talked about that opening bridge scene where he just said, decides like oh yeah i'm gonna open an actual bridge and then have a bunch of cars fall backwards and it's gonna rule and it's gonna be full of watermelons question mark for some yeah <laughs> for some reason <laughs> and the, the, that's that is like because every time i've only you know been over the kind of what are those bridges called that I want to say it's drawbridge, but that's like some medieval shit. Whatever those bridges are called that that kind of open up like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's one that I used to have to go go over all the time uh, when I went down to uh, to Delaware for work. And I would always think about it every single time. And I'm like, it's kind of fucking terrifying. Like the fact that this bridge could just like somebody, you know, there's maybe some like drunk dipshit over there, like man in the controls and he fucks it up and then it just opens up as you're going over it. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> or even worse, like a boat crashes into it when it's closed. It's yeah. like another drunk dip, dipshit thing that could happen. But yeah. So like you have, right. you have the bridge scene, you have the scene where the Coke machine, it's like at the ball field. So like the Coke machine goes haywire and then a, a child is crushed by a steamroller which <laughs> him and his bike yeah him and his bike which apparently is one of the scenes that was like heavily censored so the original cut is that they put like a giant blood bag in the kid's head so when it <laughs> hits the kid's head it like it splatters everywhere <laughs> yeah uh so <laughs> I think I probably would have picked that scene because that was like my own, that was going to be my other choice. Uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, they censored that one. So not so much. <laughs> and then you, I think that was one of my notes was like, this should have been your pick. <laughs> yeah. Because I always forget about I've probably seen this movie half a dozen times. I always forget about because they cut it on TV. Mm -hmm. Like when you, if you catch mm -hmm. it on on, you know, on whatever channel, like they, they'll they'll cut it. But I've seen the scene now a few times and uh, 
Yeah. Every time it surprises me. Yeah. I'll, I'll get into why I didn't pick it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's mostly just because like all of, all of these scenes, which is why I didn't pick any ones except for the one I did. All of these scenes don't end with a good punch. So like the, mm-hmm. the, sli- the, the steamroller scene doesn't end with the steamroller crushing a kid. It ends with the, the one protagonist kid riding away on his bike and it's kind of just falls, right. you know, the, the, it, it's cool when that kid also rides through the town and like everybody's dead and then the lawnmower comes to life and the ice cream truck is after him, but also he just kind of gets away. So there's not like, it doesn't have the great big punch. And the other scene that probably would be a good contender, but it came out before RoboCop. So Stephen King hadn't seen RoboCop in the way Ed 209 shreds that dude with the squibs. Uh, so he didn't have the experience to see that army mm. truck with the mounted machine gun. You know, he didn't know to include more squibs in that scene. If there were more squibs in that mm. scene, it would have been better, but there just weren't. So, yeah, well. I have some thoughts. Um, I don't know if we're going to talk more about the gun, the mounted gun on the on the little uh, fucking trolley <laughs> or whatever the hell it is. But um, I'm pretty sure the swivel thing that the 50 cal machine gun is mounted on is not mechanically move. You know, it's not like it doesn't move around mechanically. Right. So why can the gun point? I understand there's a thousand other things that are stupid (laughs) about this movie and I shouldn't be focusing on that, but that thing becomes such a threat to them, uh, kind of, but then not, also, the way they kill is Emilio Estevez walks up to it, says, like, we got to talk about, I think the line is, we about to talk about human stuff, something you might not never know nothing about, which is like, I just, yeah. I'm now meshing that with a line from next Friday. And then he just puts a fucking grenade on it and it goes, run away. He just spins it. Yeah. <laughs> it runs away. And it's like, that thing, yeah, I don't know. If, the, that, if that, that thing that, could that is, fully control itself, he wouldn't have been able to spin it. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Of course. Yeah. yeah, it's just on a fucking swivel. It's just on like, yeah, and he just <laughs> spins it like it's a little kid's fucking, you know, propeller hat yeah. and runs away. Yeah. Look, <laughs> that is why, partially why this is a bad movie, you know? It's one of the yeah, number yeah. of things that doesn't make any fucking sense because yeah, there's right. so many mechanical things that happen that don't actually have mechanical, you know, like they show how many times like buttons being depressed but that's not how buttons work. You wouldn't have to show <laughs> you you wouldn't have to show the button being depressed. It would just happen on the inside, yeah. but you have to show it for the audience cuz it's a movie for morons. <laughs> I like I do really like the idea of thinking of Stephen King coked out of his gourd. And it's like <laughs> that meme with the ICP going like how do magnets work right. but it's Stephen King coked out of his brain going how does buttons work buttons how does they work <laughs> <laughs> so just to touch on uh, Stephen King being coked out of his mind there is an apparent rumor that has never been confirmed or denied that our own George A. Romero was the ghost director of this film for any time Stephen King was too blasted to be on set. <laughs> and that he, uh, he, I'd believe it. <laughs> yeah. And that like he regularly kind of fed King, 
you know what the shots were supposed to be and like helped out with editing to try and make it like a more complete movie so you know, apparently yeah. george romero's hands are all over the film but like they never came out and said it because obviously i don't think george wanted his name associated with it but also at the same time he likes stephen king like obviously he was yeah. in creep show you know they they didn't have like a contentious relationship so but also i i don't want yeah i don't want to stake my record on this <laughs> no it, it makes a lot of sense because the movie obviously you know it was not well received you know S stephen king was really um embarrassed of it and all that sort of thing and like you know it's a it's a very common i don't know if it's an actual it's a real quote but it's one of those quotes that get gets attributed whether or not it actually was said or not or uttered by stephen king is when people say like hey how why have you never you know gotten behind the camera again or you know directed or whatever and he always says have you have you seen maximum overdrive that's like the quote mm -hmm. that you get yeah. from all the time and uh if he actually did direct it. I feel like enough time has passed and it has such a cult following now. And it is like amongst horror, the horror community, it is a pretty beloved movie yeah. like for its shitty, you know, schlockiness and just overall being a very fun film. And I feel like if he actually would have directed it earnestly, he probably would have embraced that by now. But because he probably didn't, he doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, because he because he did half ass it and he was fucking blasted out of his mind. So he doesn't remember it. So like, yeah, it it, it doesn't feel like an earnest attempt at directing, you know, yeah. uh, whereas like I think a, kind of a similar story may be like Frank Miller, the, the comic book writer. He, mm -hmm. you know, who also wrote Robocop, too, um, he directed Sin City, the movie and like the sequel and the spirit and he had like a lot of hand holding done by robert rodriguez in that case so mm. i think it's kind of similar and like george romero probably did a lot of hand holding for stephen king just to help him get through it but i think now you know stephen king might be able to put together like an actual good movie with how much time he spent around movies and how many of his works have been adapted. I think he, he I think yeah. he could probably put one together if he you know, actually gave it a try and wasn't blasted. all zooted up. Yeah, you would think so. <laughs> also in the, in, on that same note, how fucked up do you have to be to be too fucked up to be on a movie set in 1986? <laughs> <laughs> like you have to be uh, like a, like you're, you have to be melted into a pile. On yeah. The yeah. Scorsese put absolute bangers out when he was. <laughs> out of his head. That's what I say. Like he had to have been like Stephen King had to have been just walking around with blood jetting out of his nose all, at all times, <laughs> just like screaming and physically assaulting people like to for him to not be allowed on a movie set in 86. <laughs> he was sexually harassing Pat Engel. He's like, yeah. <laughs> Pull them tit outs. Let me see them titties. Let me see them. Yeah. He just had to be out just out of fucking control. He was he was doing he was doing the Kubrick, you know, two hundred and twelve takes, but it's just that awful bathroom scene between Emilio Estevez and the other fat guy on the toilet. <laughs> He's doing two hundred and twelve no, takes of that. Do it again. Run it again. <laughs> 
louder. Make the fart noises louder. <laughs> Meanwhile, all he's hearing in his brain is ACDC. Right, yeah. <laughs> he, ref- he refused to like watch any of the sound on playback or anything. He just had ACDC headphones on. <laughs> just fucking ripping. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, just shortly before we finally get to the scene, I do want to go to the bona fides of why this is a bad film, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. It has the worst critic score out of all of the movies we'll talk about tonight. Even mm-hmm. beating the happening, it has a 15%. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> and then if we go over to Letterboxd. It has a 2.6, which may or may mm-hmm. not sound bad because that sounds ha- that sounds like over half, but you have to consider it in terms of fucking untapped scores where anything under three is trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, 2.6 on Letterboxd. Uh, it is, you know, again, it's one of those movies, and I think Stephen King is right when he says it's uh, it's a movie for morons because... Both you and I, Brian, we've said in the past, like, we love this movie as kids and all children are morons. You know, yeah. we don't understand right. why this is bad until we rewatch it as adults and go, oh, this is fucking garbage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 trash, but it is it's charming trash like the happening, which we're not talking about yet, obviously not charming Mm-mm. trash for the most part. Like this is charming yeah. trash. I mean, Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez is a fucking movie star. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you just put him on screen, he shines. He's so likable. He's so cool. He's so, you know, he's obviously a good-looking guy. Like, he just... Emilio Estevez is a fucking star. You put him on screen, he's going to do well. Um, you know, they spent some damn money on this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's it's terrible, but it's charmingly terrible. Yeah, like... like Again, it's a it's a movie of scenes which are great. Again, if you're a child or if you're zooted, it's fucking fantastic because mm-hmm. you don't think about how like the relationship doesn't make any sense or you know how a lot of the mechanical stuff doesn't make sense. You don't think about that. You just watch it and go, oh well, mm-hmm. yeah, awesome. And then you know that weird gas station montage of filling up the trucks is also weird, but you have a time with it. That that's the best part. I love that. I love when the when the trucks call all their friends and make them fill them up with gas till they're out of gas. Yeah. And it's like a montage yeah. of I think we talked about before. It's like a, mon, a working at the car wash montage. Yeah. But it's them being forced to fill up the <laughs> tanks of 18 wheel 18 wheelers um from a gas pump at a gas station. Uh, because the trucks have come alive because they're in the tail of a comet or something. <laughs> like, if you just say it face level <laughs> like that, it's, or I mean, face value, it's so fucking great. Yeah. Well, it's because aliens are hiding in the tail of the comet. They got shot down by a Russian telecom satellite that happened to have intercontinental mo- ballistic missiles on it. <laughs> well, and they say it like tongue in cheek yeah. at the end. They're just like, yeah. oh, and just basically accuse it like, the Russians, it's a satellite, but it's equipped with nukes or yeah. something like that. Like, it's just, it's written by cocaine. Like, <laughs> yeah, which also, like, it's also very similar to a news report that is in Robocop that uh, there's a, there's, they're talking about like a satellite that shoots a death laser that kills four presidents. 
in a very <laughs> tongue in cheek fashion, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, that's a, this movie would have been so much more awesome if Stephen King had seen RoboCop before. Like if this movie came mm-hmm. out 88, this movie would rule because he would have seen RoboCop and he would knew all the things that emulate from RoboCop, but he didn't. So, oh, yeah. well, on to the scene. Uh, we, uh, as we've already established, the plot of the film is the trucks and everything else mechanical comes alive because aliens and the tail of a comet make it happen and they decide to try to kill all the humans and all of our protagonists are herded into the Dixie boy gas station and they are forced to pump gas and they're forced to live on the, the rule of the trucks, including the green goblin truck, which is a toy truck. <laughs> and the yeah what's it called some happy something toys or something yeah it's like another load of joy is you know heading your way or whatever but for some reason it had the green goblin face on it the trucks are constantly doing this kind of cowboy like uh you know circling the wagons of like (laughs) they're just running around the outside of the gas station keeping everybody in running into any cars Mm -hmm. that try to come in and then you know, you, you have the protagonists all inside and they do their best to fight back, sometimes with rocket launchers <laughs> hidden in the basement. Just so happens. <laughs> but uh, the the final kind of end of the film comes when they all decide to make an escape. And the escape does start with that scene Brian was talking about earlier, where Emilio Estevez just puts a grenade on the army truck and spins the machine gun. <laughs> This gives them their opening because now none of the, you know, this is the only projectile truck. So they get rid of that. And then under the cover of night, they escape out a sewer pipe. And Mm -hmm. this is when the trucks fucking lose it. They go absolute bonkers apeshit and tear everything down. And it is one of the most glorious things that isn't a monster truck rally. It is just trucks running headlong into a gas station that they built like this wasn't a gas station that existed. So this is Mm -hmm. how, you know, like it's a total waste of money and how awesome this scene is. They built this gas station. They had to turn away real truckers through production because they (laughs) truckers were showing up trying to fill up and they're like, no, no, this isn't a real thing. This is just for a movie. Go away. Go down the road. Mm -hmm. But they built this entire gas station. And then this is also how you know this film was basically shot in sequence because they tore it down with all the trucks. So again, you have trucks running into the kitchen, running into the dining room. You get a good kill dozer coming in through the dan- dining room, oh, yeah. smashing you up get tables. A full-on kill and then full-on kill dozer. You get a, the mm-hmm. kill dozer then attacks a car and appears to be laughing as it attacks the car. You can kind of hear it. You can kind of hear it in the sound design that it, they like they loop the sound of the treads in a way that it sounds like the dozer is laughing as it smashes the car underneath it. Well, they're just going they're going straight like monster truck show. Yeah. Like, yes, they are. They are crashing into buildings, just kind of, you know, you could look at it as one of two ways. You could look at it as like it's like a kamikaze attack on the building. Um, like let's just pull out all the stops or you could view it as, you know, 
kid seats are just 10 bucks and we're just gonna <laughs> just literally roll over every fucking car like try like we're just here to smash shit. yeah it's you know you only need the edge <laughs> yeah and uh you know the one of the other great one of the great shots is there's a dump truck and it has its dump all the way up and you can just tell whoever's driving that truck is having the most fun of their life because they hit full speed into the gas station awning and just rip it the fuck down like going at as fast as they can they couldn't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) and then you have a liquid oxygen truck has plowed into the kitchen and it's starting to spark and this is where you get one of the greatest explosions i like i don't know anywhere you can find a better explosion It, it it would be hard but the entire gas station is vaporized by just <laughs> an enormous, enormous explosion. And then it it's, all- ve- it's alarmingly large. Yeah. Like you're you're surprised. Yeah, it, you are. Every time you watch it, you are continually surprised by how big the explosion right. is. And like you can tell like how far away everyone had to be just to film it. Because it, it's vaporizing an entire gas station. And then they followed up with like what I can only describe as like WCW level of pyro with the two <laughs> that's f- what flame I was gonna columns. Say. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. So the, the initial explosion looks like it was planned. Like it doesn't look like a spontaneous gas station explosion. It looks like a movie explosion which is not bad. It's fine. Then a couple of explosions after that are really much more realistic. Like it's like, Oh, that looks like, Oh, the, maybe the, the, the propane tank at, you know, at a grill exploded. It's a smaller little tiny explosion, you know? And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's Halloween havoc, you know, (laughs) 1997. (laughs) And there's just some sparklers going on. There's just sparklers and there's just pillars of flame. (laughs) And, you know, you just kind of get uh, you get small intercuts between all of this mayhem and the protagonists. Uh, they're just basically, you know, making small comments. Uh, at one point, Emilio Estevez says, like, Jesus is coming back and he's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funnier if, if Emilio Estevez was like, by God, it's Kane. <laughs> That's got to be Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, you, Stephen King had to wait even more years, so he would have had to see RoboCop and Kane. You know, you can't. Yeah, how yeah. long are we going to put this movie off? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, it is one of the greatest explosions in film history. Uh, apparently, there's some lore that the explosion was so hot that it almost melted the film in the camera. Uh, which that's also pretty great if you're so coked up and you have an explosion so large that it ruins what you filmed or something. I don't know. There's I refuse to believe that they weren't blasting ACDC at a bajillion decibels on the set while they shot that. Explosion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, yeah. I think that was you know required, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but let's not. And Stephen King was just coked out, just blowing loads everywhere just like so psyched he's like oh we're winning an oscar he's just out of his fucking brain just air guitaring the entire time (laughs) yeah he's doing the freaking chuck berry like hopping around (laughs) 
walks in front of the shot yeah. at one point. <laughs> he takes a bow. He walks in front of the camera and takes a bow. Butt-ass naked. <laughs> Just ass naked, hard as a rock. Yeah. There, there is, I mean, it, you know, you're right that there's no way that they weren't blaring ACDC while they blew up the gas station. But it is also important mm-hmm. to point out that during the monster truck demolition derby that, you know, ACDC is the soundtrack to this. It's unfortunately mm-hmm. not one of the more recognizable ones. They already used Hell's Bells earlier in the movie, which I think would have been more perfect mm-hmm. for this scene. But that's just me. Yeah. Not everything can be super perfect, but, you know, a monster truck <laughs> demolition derby followed by giant explosion is pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, the only the only thing I wish I could have included in this scene, but I can't because it's the scene right after uh, as the protagonist escaped down the road towards a dock, the green goblin truck rolls down the road and passes a school bus that has a plane crashed into it. And just the implication of a plane saw a school bus full of children and decided to 9-11 it is pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's dark. Yeah. I mean, this movie, I mean, I can only imagine if Stephen King had like final cut on this mm-hmm. and he just was able to just do whatever he wanted and nothing got edited and nothing got... And it just was the 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 director's cut, if you will, mm-hmm. of this movie has got to be unfucking fucking <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's probably a scene of just, yeah, the kid with his head exploding, just like, uh, you, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, like a chainsaw walking on chainsaw legs with a chainsaw head <laughs> going into like a, a, like a kindergarten or something right. like it was just so fucking out of control. Before. Some of the things Stephen King thought of and and probably pitched and they all just like glad handed and we're like, sure. Yeah, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. And then he forgot about right. it immediately. <laughs> we're probably like borderline <laughs> criminal. I would. I think that's a I think that's a goal for when time travel gets invented is to go back in time with 10 million dollars and inject 10 more million dollars into this movie just to see what you get (laughs) yeah 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 actually it ends up being like a uh like tons of civilians die in real life Mm -hmm. because he like (laughs) somehow you know gets his hands on uranium or something and rich uranium there's a permanent (laughs) scorch mark in north carolina that no one can go near (laughs) yeah yeah it's chernobyl of of the carolinas (laughs) so but yes that is that is maximum overdrive with probably the most maximum of endings Uh, just explosions galore and trucks going to party town on a building, destroying a building that was built. I mean, you don't get that. You don't get that happening past probably 1995, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. I don't. I, I you'd be hard pressed to find yeah. a film that's so destructive with its money. <laughs> no, no, you, you, I can't think of one really past that. Um, the 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 thing and again this doesn't affect the scene necessarily but it's just a testament to how like stupid the pacing of this movie mm-hmm. is is this isn't really the climactic scene i mean it is right. but there's still plenty of time left not plenty but there's still time yeah. left in this film and then really what is supposed to be the climactic scene is also an explosion but it's emilio estevez 
shooting um, a fair, like a fairly large bottle rocket out of the like end of a grenade launcher and <laughs> into the goblin truck and saying, "I what is it? Uh, uh, I forget what the, the quote is. It's really, you know, it's, um, you know, his hasta la vista right. line. I forget what he says, but yeah. It's like adios, motherfucker. Audio, like adios, motherfucker. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but he's holding. I, I assume. Listen, I'm not a, a munitions expert, but I'm pretty sure it's like a grenade launcher. But he's he's using it, and they try to the effect make it look like it's an RPG, <laughs> and it shoots like a clearly like something that is meant for recreational purposes, like some sort of bottle rocket out of it. It's so bad looking. Yeah. I, I, I equate it to like, if you've ever watched like a stand-up comedy special, the biggest laugh isn't the last laugh. The biggest laugh is somewhere, mm. you know, buried in the special somewhere, you know, maybe it's closer towards the end, but like usually the last <laughs> laugh that the, the comic goes out on isn't always like the biggest one. It's just like a, you know, it's just like a good one. You go, ah, okay, yes. But you're the funniest part was earlier. <laughs> and then it's the same thing with Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> right, the right, funniest right. parts were earlier. Got to give them a chance to wind down or else if you don't give people a chance to wind down, then everybody's going to be walking out of the theater with a boner. Mm-hmm. It's going to be embarrassing. They're too rowdy. You know. Too rowdy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's why you got to give them, you give them the small wind down of like a guy, one guy gets run over by a truck and then that truck gets blown up and they sail away on a boat. That's a nice ease in to going back to the normal world. You can't go. You can't mm-hmm. have them all tuned up running out like, did you see that fucking gas station? Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Holy shit. People are just fighting and fucking in the parking lot. Like, it's just, you know, it's chaos. Too much power. Yeah, it's too, too much. much. It's too much. <laughs> So, all right. Any 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 final uh, thoughts on this, Steve, before we move on to Anthony's? No, this rules. And uh, you guys are going to be hard pressed <laughs> to fucking present anything better. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's just a bunch of explosions. It's cool. Don't ever. Don't, don't ever. Wrong. It's cars. <laughs> it's car. It's it's it, the best part isn't even the explosion. The best part is the killdozer crashing into the diner slowly and then pulling back out like for the scene on the inside <laughs> like that is the coolest scene or the co- coolest shot i guess but <laughs> don't so. ever just say All it's right. just a bunch of explosions <laughs> it's fine Steve. <laughs> it's fine um all right Anthony, let's 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 get into yours all right okay so holidays 2016 is an anthology series film um, and the theme is that all of the short films are based around holidays. Mm. And I'm going to say that is basically where the connection of these um, stops. Um, it, you know, I think this has, doesn't have a terrible um, IMDb score, doesn't have a bad Rotten Tomato score. But I think, to me, this is a bad anthology because of the tonal whiplash that we get as we go from movie to movie. Uh, the the film I picked is Father's Day. Um, I will get to that in a minute, but it is it is followed by the mo- the worst film in the in the movie <laughs> uh, directed by the most well-known director uh, who must have been on just just phoning it in. I think he directed this from a zoom call. Uh, yeah. Kevin Smith. I think his daughter must have directed because she's in it. Right. 
she's in it. Yeah. This is this isn't yoga hosers bad, but it is minimal efforts yeah. by him. Every ever since Kevin Smith discovered weed, he has made some crazy choices as like what kind of movie he's yeah. going to make. I think this movie, this short at least, was like something he did on the side of yoga hosers because like you're saying, you know, his, his daughter's in it. And then also, uh, Harley Morenstein, who most people recognize from Epic Mealtime on YouTube. He's also in Mm -hmm. yoga hosers Mm -hmm. and, uh, Ashley green. She's in this as well, but not the Ashley green, not like the twilight Ashley green. Right. Don't think so. Yeah, it's just another girl that spells her name exactly the same. Yeah, but like she but she was also in Yoga Hosers and in this short. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah, it's just another Ashley Green, not the Twilight. I've never seen Twilight, but I looked at it on IMDb. Yeah. But so like this feels like it, this was something he directed on the side of Yoga Hosers and was just like, "Hey, you want to do this as well?" And everybody signed up and made this yeah. garbage. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, I shot it in a day, an afternoon maybe. Um, yeah, it's I think there is a generation of film school um, people that have a serious um, case against him for like a class action lawsuit because me being in one of those because <laughs> I was 16. I saw clerks and I was like, I could do that. So I went to film school <laughs> and now he's putting out this shit where he's like he was super into Canada for yeah. a while. And this is one of them because I think the Harley Mornstein is also Canadian. He and is. Yoga hosers and Tusk. Um, all Canadian, and he's then he almost had the, painfully Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> like his, and I th- <laughs> like he's so Canadian, it's unbelievable. <laughs> right, and like there was supposed to be a third movie in the his Canadian trilogy that I don't think ever got made, which was Moose Jaws, which was supposed to be Jaws with a moose. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, um, we've got two movies that have weird impregnations to them. Yeah, there's a lot of pregnancy the themes throughout. Yeah. this a lot of like, these ones. Two movies basically end with someone giving birth to the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. One dressed as Danny Zuko from Greece. <laughs> the other one just uh, some sort of commune yeah. sort of situation. So I think the movie I picked is actually kind of the anomaly of all of them. Because there's like there's a Seth Green story, with which is almost like a second-rate Black Mirror episode. There's a... And like some of them are okay. We get like the weird Easter Jesus bunny, which is a lot of these movies just wind up being the monster at the end of the story, which yeah. actually the, the 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 story I picked is not different from it. And it's my least favorite part of the the the, the, the part the story I picked yeah. was the ending. <laughs> I would say um, I would say th- this anthology is the best example of endings are hard. It's, a, it's something yeah. we bring up on the show from time to time, but just like writing endings is hard and mm-hmm. nobody fucking does it right in this anthology. All of the endings are, yeah. these are fucking yeah. trash. <laughs> They're bad, except for, the, I, you know what? The one that I'm referring to as uh, Uzumaki for Filthy Illiterate Irish Locusts, which is the St. Patrick's <laughs> Day one. Okay, yeah, I did, um, I did like that one just because it ends with dancing Zoo- with Wait. the snake. A snake with a pompadour? That's yeah. fucking brilliant. Um and it's almost it, it's yeah. it's obviously like taking a lot of um 
you know, Wicker Man, you know, uh, uh, kind of influence from yeah. the Wicker Man. Um, and it's it's just silly. It's bonkers. That one's fully bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, the, I mean, just to Anthony, you mentioned the tonal whiplash you get. You go from Valentine's Day, which is like kind of dark. You know, there's like a weird pedo swim coach and then someone gets their, you know, heart ripped out like the Valentine's Day one's pretty dark to St. Patrick's yeah. Day, which is super silly to uh, uh, Easter, which is pretty dark as well, because the Jesus, the Jesus bunny man, like, <laughs> again gives off weird pedo vibes like he's got the kid like sticking her hand in his like wound you know jesus's side wound yeah um but yeah. he seems like he's like kind of getting boned up because of it it's <laughs> real uncomfortable <laughs> and then he gives her egg communion which is also fucking yeah. weird yeah yeah, yeah. and That's then a, and then the mother's upsetting. day which is just so many just honkers in the mother's day one like it just is all <laughs> over the fucking place all over yeah. the place it's definitely like they, i think there are some okay movies in here and i think but just uh, together as this motif of holidays is really thin when you come close those just tonal shifts because uh, it's it's different from from one to one mm-hmm. and my my movie is no different um but I think the Father's Day episode is at least the most unique. I think the most well done. It's barely a horror movie. And maybe maybe that's an issue because (laughs) it's it's a horror movie for three seconds and it's the worst three seconds of the whole movie. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so Father's Day tells a very simple, odd story, but it's done in a very interesting way. So it's this woman comes home. She gets a package and it's a cassette tape and she plays it and it's her father on the other end and we come to realize that she has not spoken to her father in maybe 20 years 25 years something like that um the woman is played by uh jocelyn donahue who was also in the house of the devil Mm -hmm. which is the main character in that um and it's voiced by some guy named michael gross who has no other credit except for this but excellent casting in terms of the voice uh, he's got a very kind of haunting sort of way that he's uh reading his lines in this so it's not only, me- only hear him oh go ahead so it's not michael gross from tremors according to this this is his only credit huh so not michael gross from tremors yeah wild um he reminded me the voice reminded me of like the guy who if you've ever listened to the podcast welcome to night vale like it just reminded sure. me oh, of that. Okay. He's got that very, um, yeah, fatherly kind of deep, uh, but but very like almost prim and proper in the way he talks. Uh, yeah. author- not authoritarian, but just like very firm and and like enunciates very well, and it makes things feel extra creepy. Yeah. So she gets this recording. She listens to it, and he basically tells her, "Is like if he ever if she ever wants to see him again." to go the spot where they last saw each other and turn the tape over and he'll give her instructions on the other side. So there's some familiar uh, drama that goes on with her mother. You know, she basically calls her on the phone like, I can't believe he's still alive. You never told me this. This is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. So the scene, I guess, because if we can narrow it down to a scene, the scene is basically when she goes to the beach 
and she turns the tape over and she listens to it. And it's a recording that he made on the very last day that she saw him. And she can hear herself when she's like five or six, whatever. She's very young, um, playing with him, playing in the background in the beach. And he takes her on this walk and he's narrating to her as well as talking to her younger self as they're walking to go to this place, which it's very ambiguous what is going on really throughout the whole time. But he eventually directs her and he's talking to her younger self is like, basically, I'm going away. This is going to be the last time we talk to each other. Uh, I know you want to come with me, but you can't. Um, and he's she's basically listening to her own heartbreak as she's making this this trek. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of it's just an interesting walk through where she's seeing, which is now like this dilapidated kind of shore town, which I guess 20, 25 years ago was a place to go with your daughter. Eventually, she winds up at like this abandoned building, which she walks through and she's seeing the places where her dad was when she basically saw him for the last time. He tells her to go sit down on there. He goes, talks to a woman to go see him is kind of the um, what he what he's there. He's there for an appointment saying. Mm. Um, And then, you know, we hear him walk to see her for the last time. We see we hear her you know, cry out for him and, you know, ask him not to leave and all that kind of stuff. And he just leaves her behind as like a six, seven year old with like what is essentially like a secretary mm. of whoever him is. Yeah. Um, she goes through a door and it gets dark and late. And she wants this is kind of the point where he's like, well, this is where you're going to meet me through this door. Um, and this is where it gets this is sort of where I would say this is where my scene ends because everything after this is awful (laughs) (laughs) she essentially finds what maybe is her dad maybe it's him maybe it's the him that he was talking about who knows sitting with her his back towards her in this other abandoned building and she crosses what looks to be some sort of salt line or circle and basically the monster at the end of the story just reveals itself. She screams and that's the end of the story. It does a scream. She does a scream. <laughs> I just think this was a really fascinating story. And if this is a win, that's fine. But at the same time, I just really wanted like more attention to the story because I really thought this was a fascinating kind of idea. Uh, was, uh, execution of like this story that is about loss and about this girl coming to grips with you know, the abandoned the father that abandoned her all those years ago and having to deal with listening to her have to go through that all over again was just a, such a fascinating story to me. And it is ruined by the last three, five seconds of it <laughs> and is such an odd placement in this movie also because it doesn't have to be this. Oh, this is Father's Day sort of story. Mm-hmm. This could be a short film on its own. Right. And I think because all of the other movies are not this like dark and like very personal of a story. Like, I don't know if it's biographical. It's like directed by a dude. So that's a difference right there. But it's directed by a guy named Anthony Scott Burns, who I don't think has much interesting, many interesting uh, credits other than this movie there's a couple of uh some movies called our house come true uh i don't know any of these a lot of short films 
got a couple of different credits in like music department stuff like that but uh it was just a, a very interesting story um and i i wound up picking this one because as i mentioned earlier uh i had reviewed this um back when we were writing reviews which was sort of the precursor to our podcast uh and i gave this whole movie a three out of ten i think it's a little harsh i don't know if it's a three out of ten but there was usually i wound up when i was doing those 31 days of horror reviews i usually wound up in like the five to five and a half range so i think the and i mentioned that this movie stuck out this short stuck out to me as a bright spot in an otherwise movie i did not enjoy so definitely wanted to bring this to the table as a uh and a film that i really enjoyed i think it's so much different than all the other ones is really what i could say Mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 I mean, three out of 10 is probably not that far off. It's probably like, you know, it's really because I mean, the the Kevin Smith one alone takes it down a whole point. Like, that's yeah. a piece of shit. Um, and but there's and a couple that right are, after this one. I know. So it's it's seriously whoever decided to put those side by side, like should be, you know, in, in the immortal worlds of our Lord and Savior Garfield should be drugged in the street and shot. Well, um, I mean, the, but, the, the movie runs chronologically. Yeah, it goes. Yeah. It fit, and then Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. Right, I didn't even make that. I didn't even. There's make a it. long time, but there's a long time between Father's Day and. <laughs> well, and also and New Halloween Year's now. should really be first, and even though it's technically New Year's <laughs> Eve, I guess. But um, yeah. anyway, uh, God damn, uh, those back to back are just—it's brutal. It's brutal to <laughs> yeah. go because this is actually, like you said, the the scene because everything else is so silly for the most part. And then that portion where she's walking and essentially she's, you know, playing, you know, daddy scavenger hunt, you know, from the beach. And she has to hear herself as a five year old girl being confused and scared because her dad is basically saying, I'm leaving you uh, is heart wrenching. Mm -hmm. And it's so much more emotionally charged than anything. You don't care about a single character in this entire any of the anthologies except for this, uh, even remotely. Um, so yeah. it, it, you know, it's, 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 it's really is heart wrenching as you hear all this stuff. And of course, like then she's listening to it and having to relive it. Like you mentioned, then they go into this like weird, like you said, it was like an abandoned building. It almost was like a reminded me of like a Masonic temple or something yeah. like, that, that had been abandoned. Yeah. And as you're walking into this, like the tension is really kind of, you know, mounting to a to kind of a fever pitch like you're you're on the edge of your seat there for a second and then like you said you know bing bong daddy's a vampire like that kind of you know lets you leave you hanging in the last five seconds you're like oh no it's It's, yeah yeah it's 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 interesting because like what we're hearing on the tape and what she's listening to like there's nothing inherently sinister about it even when they get to the masonic temple or whatever temple this is like there's yeah. no, there's nothing inherently sinister aside from the fact that he's about to abandon her for him but it's just everything else around it like the setting is and I, it's probably overused but it, you know the setting it feels very silent hill-esque because she's alone she's walking on streets like there's no cars around and everything is kind of that deep, like blue green tinge. Yeah, so it's that it was, like twilighty type of. Yeah, 
not the movie Twilight. I know we mentioned that. Right. But <laughs> not yeah, the movie it's, Twilight, it's that... but the actual occurrence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, everything is kind of dingy and run down and like deserted and empty. I, I wish there was a little bit more inside the temple, just a, four, a few more clues as to what the hell was going on. Like, what were they actually after? Because it feels... Uh, did either of you guys see the movie The Empty Man? No. Nope. It's it's pretty okay. Uh, I would say check, check it out. But, like, there's a lot of, like, kind of culty stuff to it without being, like, a, you know, full-on... It feels more like Heaven's Gate cult stuff rather oh, than rather than supernatural. Yeah. 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 Even though it does like turn supernatural and there is more supernatural stuff. But in the beginning, mm-hmm. there's like it feels a lot more grounded Heaven's culty or Heaven's Gatey stuff. So it feels mm-hmm. like that's what she was going into is like, you know, the, the, the former Heaven's Gate kind of recruitment center. And then, you know, they find she finds her dad or whatever. That's like that. That's why it just gets confusing. It's like eh. it's like, eh. and then it does a scream, and it's like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, if it was really rem- reminding me of, and I've I've been just reading a lot of like short form horror and weird fiction lately. It was really reminding me of like a Robert Matheson short story, mm-hmm. um, like a like a something you would see on the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like the whole time, really, even even the it felt like an adaptation of a of a of a Robert Matheson short story, which is a good which is, you know, a, a, a positive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely felt uh, out of place among a bunch of other just turds <laughs> floating in the punch bowl. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will say, though, I th- I get why you pick this one, because I think as a mm. film, it's probably the strongest one because, you know, as we said, like it's the only film you get actually emotionally connected to the character because you actually kind of get connected with her character twice the same way she is because you get connected with past her being upset that she's losing her dad. But then you get that recycle of feelings while she's you know listening to it and you watch present day her. But like, I'm surprised you didn't go with the kind of the Jesus bunny man uh just just the scene <laughs> of like when the girl discovers him because i feel like that's actually like a really strong jump scare when she tries to run down the hall and it just jumps out at her because mm-hmm. it's it's a real jump scare and it's real that the danger is now here you know the you know yeah it announces itself but then also like it gets really weird and upsetting and like you know <laughs> then he turns her into a bunny with his fucking egg communion like well then the chick coming out of the stigmata wounds right, and stuff yeah. like yeah that that's by far the most wh- whenever you said you know hey the you know when steve told me this was the pick i was like oh it's got to be the the jesus bunny man yeah um yeah. or the other one i did remember a little bit of was the the last one which is the new year's eve one with the you know serial killer running into a serial killer kind yeah. of thing which is it's, it's a little predictable sure. it's okay but it's much well much better executed than all, virtually all the other ones <laughs> yeah that, that, um, that yeah. one's predictable and also like i felt like they could have done something better with the ending of like making it kind of almost more comedic like when they both mm-hmm. find out they're gonna kill each other 
And then, like, yeah, that, you know, that, then they would have been like, isn't this awkward? You yeah. Know? Like now it's an awkward first kill or whatever or something like that. You, you do some, you could do something funny with that. I don't know. But it just kind of <laughs> ends and it's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, this one was definitely yeah. the most emotionally charged one and definitely most affecting one. I'll say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, it's the good parts of it. Not so much a horror movie. And I think I think that that almost feels like, oh, I forgot to make a horror movie. Let me let me <laughs> rectify that in the last five seconds. Yeah. But like because I'd be happy if that if that scene just ends right before whatever it is in sitting in a chair turns around. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, if we just see the back of its head and just like cut to black, I'd be happy with that. Or, or if um, you just saw it stand up from the chair. That's all you need yeah. is like something effective, like, oh, what we thought was a corpse in a chair stands up up oh, scary up oh, what happened up oh, bye yeah <laughs> i don't need i don't need the cg uh sort of ending that paranormal activity had the original where she like <laughs> lunges at the camera yeah you don't need stretchy mouth what was the movie yeah. that i there's a movie and i think it's it's called terrified we've talked about it on the podcast yeah. i picked it on a showdown long long time ago it's such a great, effective, atmospheric, genuinely scary movie, but it ends with something similar to that. I won't completely uh, spoil it, but you're not watching it for the ending. But if you watch, <laughs> I believe it's like it's like Colombian or, or Venezuelan movie or something like that. Um, it's fantastic, but it ends in a very similar way. <laughs> and you're just like, God, God right. damn it. You were you, you, you were walking across the, the, the stage at graduation. <laughs> With your cap on, they handed you the fucking <laughs> diploma and you tripped and fell down the stairs. Yeah. Everybody saw your butt and it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then your pants fell down and then you puked and it was just, yeah. But yeah. But that is the Father's Day part of holidays. Yeah. yeah. I but, liked watching this again, just just for just to remember the things that I forgot. And like I said, there are a couple that are pretty effective. Um. Yeah, I've, ne- I've, never right. s- I've never seen it before. You said I'd seen it before. Why well, I haven't. All this was new well, to me I, and I, I hated it. <laughs> I thought well, it's because we've talked about the bunny man before. So I guess yeah. I, I for some reason in my head, you had <laughs> been part of that conversation. But maybe that was a conversation with myself um, because I think around Easter time, you know, I mentioned this because yeah. like this, this movie gets the most. Uh play on social media and mentions around Easter time because yeah. it's the most, you know, it's the one people must, and there's so little Easter horror. Right. right. It's um, this and critters yeah. too. So, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you've been championing that that's an Easter movie for a long time. It fucking rules. <laughs> you've been dying on that there's, hill. There's an Easter bunny man. He gets his tummy eaten. There's a whole bunch of thing about <laughs> eggs. It's an Easter movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. All right, let me let me get into this one. Let me wrap it up um, with uh, just an absolute fucking gem here, you guys. So um, I chose a scene from, as I mentioned, 2008 film uh, directed, written and produced um, by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, a ding dong himself. The Happening from 2008 just with a star-studded cast of some of my least favorite performers in the world. Um, <laughs> with it, with, with some notable exceptions. You've got one Mr. Mark Wahlberg, who um, I maintain is a bad actor. He's 
he uh, picked the wrong profession. He's bad at it. <laughs> this movie is his like his magnum opus of bad acting. Like it, it's there is there's something to be talked about here in a second of like the tone. Is it intentional? Is it not? We don't know. It's very strange. But he is genuinely I think when somebody does a Mark Wahlberg impression, they are doing an impression of him in this movie. Yes. Like when, you yeah. know, when Andy Samberg does his famous one of him, like on SNL, when he's talking to the goat, he's like, hey, hey, Mr. Goat, say hi to your mother for me or whatever. You know, the whole the whole bit. Yeah. I swear he's doing that. Like he's doing the happening. Right. Um, yeah. As prepar- as preparation for this episode, I went back. We cut we have covered on our podcast the happening mm. and we make that exact point. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's he's just wide eyed deer in the headlights the weird pitch to his voice but like still kind of strangely monotoned i don't know it's a terrible performance and then you have zoe deschanel who to her credit listen i like me some new girl i'll watch some new girl i haven't seen a lot of other things with her in it um but elf love me some elf right I think she's trying to match his energy a little bit. Oh, for sure. So to her credit, she's trying and he's giving her do- just dog shit to yeah. work with. I think I think she like, figured it out like day one on set with him of how it was going to be. And she's like, oh, there's no way I'm giving 110 for this. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think Wahlberg's performance also flies in the face of the idea of like, I'm sure... I'm sure M. Night Shyamalan would be like, oh, well, this is just a throwback to 50s monster movies. He never told Mark Wahlberg that. (laughs) Right. Because Mark Wahlberg did not get that memo. No. He's so earnest in this movie playing. He's playing a science science teacher, but he's really playing the he's playing the gym teacher that was subbing a a science class that one day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He should have been 2000 Maniacs teacher. (laughs) <laughs> but in, you know what I mean? Like right. he should have been like the, this, the teacher that go into a science convention. Right. Yeah. Uh, or whatever the fuck. Who's that also somehow that a hitchhiker movie. and a bum. And <laughs> well, no, because his car broke down. Come on, Steve. Whatever. Uh, but He's no, still he should be. Yeah, I know. He should be something like that. But no, he like you said, Anthony, he's so earnest. And he's so like, again, wide eyed and confused. And it, it's so strange. Like it's like yeah. Mark Wahlberg. The day before he got to set, he read the script and goes, so I can be punching anybody. How the fuck is this going to work? And he just we just winged it. Hey, um, yeah. hey, M. Night, uh, at what point do I get to punch the trees? <laughs> can I punch the wind? How's that going to work? Um, yeah. yeah, but Zoe Deschanel's character, too. Um, it's not so much about her acting or her character. Before we meet her in this film. Mm-hmm. We are told we're supposed to hate her guts. Weirdly. Because she is supposed to be cheating on Mark Wahlberg. And is it um, John Leguizamo cannot stand her. Yeah. He like says that the moment you the day you married her, I knew she was going to divorce you. Yeah. What the fuck? This is going to be the this is going to be our lead female character Mm -hmm. that we are going to watch throughout (laughs) the rest of this film. And you're setting it up that we should hate her. Well, also, Mark, throughout the rest of the movie. There's no reason to dislike Zoe Deschanel. Not even a little bit. She goes along with all his stupid bullshit. (laughs) Like, she's just along for the ride. She almost has no agency, really, as a character. Yeah. Yeah. And then Mark Wahlberg has the face 
of an adulterer. Like if you look at Mark Wahlberg, you're like that man cheats on his wife. Like it yeah. doesn't play. It just it, it, the the casting doesn't make any no. sense for for that. Yeah, like she's sweet. Uh, uh, like as just as twee as you possibly can be. Right. She is the queen of twee. She is Zoe Deschanel. Maybe she wasn't at this point. Uh, I'm pretty sure she, this, she was like. You're probably right. Like yeah, when did 500 Days of Summer come out? Because that's when it was cemented. Oh, before this for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was. Um, it might have been after. After was this. Was it really? But this was still around she and him sort of era when she was doing her twee music. You know that's what, what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah, 500 Days of Summer was 2009. So just just after this. Yeah, yeah. this is when you could buy all of her super twee uh, acoustic music at like Starbucks. Like mm-hmm. they were yeah. selling her CDs at Starbucks. Um, yeah. Anyway. And the, mar- the big marital problem between them, besides when we find out, is that she they she doesn't want to have a kid with him yet. because she feels like he's too immature, which is a very valid valid problem to have with when you're married to mark Wahlberg, you know <laughs> yeah he's still less than a decade probably from beating beating up vietnamese immigrants in the streets of boston <laughs> or the, he was it, it's in philly of the year but he could probably be do that's the you know right. philly boss philly philly mark Wahlberg might be even it's all racism it's fine it, uh, <laughs> listen guys i'm gonna say this right now and i work in philly i spend a lot of time there same thing philly and boston yeah. same thing <laughs> They're He's lit. probably the one that destroyed Hitchbot is Philly Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. He did. He tipped it over. <laughs> he did. He did. He, he ran up and just did a double foot drop kick on it. Yeah. Hey, um, get out of my town. <laughs> hey, I don't Go like birds. your I don't like your Asian name. Double foot drop kick. Um, fuck Mark Wahlberg. He's the worst. And all the Wahlbergs and yeah. Johnny McCarthy. They all suck. Die in a fire. Um, anyway, uh, Zoe Deschanel, you're fine. Whatever. Yeah. I have no issue with Zoe Deschanel. John Leguizamo. Love me some John Leguizamo. He is surprisingly Spawn. restrained in this movie. He is. Because I think Spawn when I think John Leguizamo and just unhinged. Um, and he is very, he is very, and he actually has one of, um, there are actually a couple of scenes that I think are a lot more affecting than the one I picked. And, and the one I remember, cause uh, we mentioned this on the last pod on the last episode when we were announcing our picks, but so, cause Anthony wasn't obviously there. Um, I saw this movie in the theaters. I was one of the five people I think that saw this in the theaters. I saw it on a date with a girl <laughs> that I dated briefly for just a few months. Um, and uh, I remember both of us being like, Fairly like not hating it, walking out, be like, it's kind of a weird movie, but okay, whatever. But I remember um, the scene when, you know, because you were looking for uh, 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 the the John Leguizamo's uh, wife, right? And her his daughter is there. The 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 one of the the big goal here is you're basically looking for they're looking for his wife. Um, and whenever you know they kind of have a lead on what they're going to do or whatever, and then he takes his seatbelt off, crashes the jeep intentionally launches himself out the window but then he doesn't die and the first thing he does is sit up and grab the glass and start sawing at his wrist i remember that being a pretty effective scene um and there's a few there's a few like that that are just like shocking violence to people either that are just completely random and out of left field or you know people that you maybe have come to care about a little bit at least i would say john leguizamo his you know family maybe the only people you give a shit about but 
Um, yeah, those, I mean, those are the main characters. Uh, uh, Betty Buckley plays Mrs. Jones, who's kind of li- this like person they show up at her house, uh, which is a weird part in the scene. Um, great character actor Frank Collison plays uh, the nursery owner. He was in a lot of movies around this time, and uh, he's got googly eyes. And that's why you remember him. <laughs> you just say he's an old guy, tall, kind of creepy looking dude with googly eyes. He, he looks like um, Sid Haig's brother. <laughs> he does. He looks like Sid Haig's tall, lanky brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th- those are, you know, basically the only people you give a Which, shit about uh, at his, all. The his movie, part but. in this film is hilarious because he basically, basically he rescues uh, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe and takes them mm-hmm. away from the diner or whatever. But, he takes him to a nursery for plants that he runs and he's in the nursery and he's just talking about hot dogs. <laughs> and he's like, hot dogs get a bad rap, you know, like they're made of meat. They're full of nutrients. Also, I think it's the plants that are killing everybody. Anyway, you want some <laughs> hot dogs? And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So this is the other thing that I should say. So I uh, before I because I do want to read the IMDb plot synopsis. It's really brief real quick. Um, and then I'll explain why I think it's important, because here, here's the plot synopsis on IMDb. A science teacher, his wife and a young girl, no mention of John Leguizamo's character, uh, struggle to survive a plague that is cause that causes those affected to commit suicide. Um, so that is a little bit misleading. I mean, that is what happens. Don't get me wrong. But for those of you who, who were maybe too young or not paying attention in 2008, um, they marketed this movie very in a very unique way in a very smart way. Um, and, and, and it got horribly horrible reviews, you know, real quick, 18% on, on, uh, rotten tomatoes. So Steve's got 15%. This got 18%, um, a 2.0, uh, on letterbox 34 on Metacritic bad scores. It got absolutely panned by critics for the most part. There was one uh, that I that I did want to uh, uh, because it was just uh, horribly, horribly. um, uh, Here's a couple of them. Um, uh, Joe Morgenstern of The Wall Street Journal said that the film was, quote, a woeful clunker of a paranoid thriller and highlighted its, quote, befuddling infelicities, insistent banalities and shambling pace and pervasive ineptitude. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) fuck you, dude. Like, like you're just being a verbose dickhead at this point. Um, Stephen King liked it, by the way, um, apparently. Um, But they're just like, it was critically panned. Um, And it almost felt like it was kind of a like uh, like a little bit of a hit job on this movie because people genuinely turned on M. Night Shyamalan like hard for this movie. He had came out with obviously The Sixth Sense, which was, you know, uh, I think it was Academy Award nominated movie. Um, and then you've got Signs, which was super well received. You got some other weird movies he made that were well received. And then this one was marketed in such a polarizing way. They did not come out and say anything about, quote, what the happening was. So they almost marketed it like these, you know, 
the tinkler or something like these 50 sci-fi type of movies where it's like you don't know what's going to happen we're not going to tell you um and of course the title very very vague and the previews a lot of the trailers that you would see were just people dying or not they didn't even explicitly show that they were always killing themselves um but it was heavily suggested i guess in these super weird out there ways but they never suggested anything about what was causing it how it was happening what how frequently it was happening or if it was a plague or virus none of that was even hinted at it was extremely vague in the pro- in the promotions so it was very um uh you know garnered a lot of attention for that reason and for whatever reason people in 2008 did not have the appetite for that and really like <laughs> Even before it came out, people were like, fuck this movie. Like they were really against it. Yeah. Um, and and then it just got critically panned. But like I said, it felt like such a hit job. It's not a good movie. Again, the performances are bad. Marco Wahlberg is is woeful in it. But it felt like this movie was destined to get panned, even though it actually didn't do that bad financially. Um, so I do want to like preface that and like provide some context around the movie around that time because it is pretty like that that was a big selling point for the movie at the time and i think the vagueness was potentially um i don't know played played very much to its advantage yeah i i think Uh, at this point too people were pretty like they were getting tired of uh shamalan shtick of well they definitely in the village people were people started to turn on in the village right yeah exactly well like even signs people were like oh it was water the entire time uh oh yeah the water thing was lame but science is i maintain science no no science is good but i'm just saying that was kind of the first crack in the armor of like people were like Mm -hmm. ah all right but then the village came out and like Oh, you motherfucker. And then, you know what, though? Fuck that, because the village is good and I like it and I maintain it, that it's good. <laughs> it's a you know what? I, I I haven't I I only recently have I watched the village and mm-hmm. I had known the twist and everything like that. But I've only in the past two or two or three years. I, uh, it was the first time I saw the village. It doesn't suck. If a 24 made the village now, people would be jizzing in their pants. Like yeah. it just Lady was in the water is the other one that kind of came out before. Yeah, this. Lady yeah. in the water Lady was the wa- before this, and like Lady in the Water was a departure as well because that wasn't trying to be a horror film per se. Uh, like it had some mm-hmm. scary elements, but he was trying to do like a modern fantasy thing, and like I don't know, it just wasn't my thing, and I I didn't care that much about it, so it didn't. I don't know, it didn't mm-hmm. bother me one way or the other, but I just think in general. Like people were fed up by the happening and then for the twist, you know, because as you're saying, Brian, like the marketing was super vague, but it had to be because the twist was what was doing it. And then for the right. twist to be the plants, I think everybody just wanted to throw their popcorn and they're like, and then like, you, yeah, you don't, it doesn't even come at the end of the film. You figure it out pretty, you know, early on. Early. It does. Yeah. 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 That's the weird thing, too, is it's pretty early that it's plants. Um, but like, so I remember having this conversation again with this girl that I was dating at the time. You know, again, we didn't we dated briefly, you know, so not 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 uh, didn't have a tremendous amount in common. Um, so I remember us talking afterwards. So we were both film, you know, into movies and into horror movies and stuff like that. And I remember we we neither of us really 
loved it or hated it, but we had a discussion, I remember, which was like, because as we walked out of, the pe- out of the theater, people were pissed. They were like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like, like it was like when I, when uh, it was like when I walked out of Halloween ends, like people were bombed, like walking out of <laughs> Halloween. Or no, 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 not Halloween ends. Uh, Halloween kills. People were bummed watching it, walking out of Halloween kills. Like people in the like I literally had like conversation in the parking lot with strangers that were like, what is that? Blah, blah, like, you know, which was really fun. <laughs> but um, I remember people doing that with the happening, too. It was like a Friday or Saturday night. And then on the drive home, I remember us being like, what did they want? What could it have been that they would have liked aliens? Did you want it to be aliens? You know what I mean? Right. Did you want it to be the the government? Like, what would have been satisfying to you? It's, you know, so. I, but that's the thing is like any of that, like the, yeah. with with the film being so based on and, and the fact that they spoon feed you everything is mm-hmm. oh yeah it's don't get me wrong it's poorly executed yeah. like with but like it, when people getting pissed about the the fact that it's plants right but i mean like in the i guess by the third scene like you're in the classroom with mark Wahlberg, and they're spoon feeding you the answer to the film which is like yeah sometimes things just happen in nature guy you have to deal with it you know <laughs> and then yeah and then you have another 90 minutes of exactly that like things just happening <laughs> yeah. in nature, you deal with it. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. 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 They could have held it a little closer to the vest, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then, and yeah, maybe let the cat of the bag early. Yeah. And then hot dog guy literally says it out loud. Like, I love hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. The plants are killing everybody who wants hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it is a movie that I guess has some sort of environmental like message ish Mm -hmm. of like humans are bad and we need to really pay attention to the plants. But like you never, you never see examples of that in the movie. You know? Yeah. You never see anybody dumping a bunch of, you know, plastic bottles into the ocean or anything. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think you're, I think you're right. I think that was part of it is, is really, it is an environmental horror film, um, which is an entire subgenre. But I feel like in 2008, people didn't have the appetite for that. And mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously people knew about global warming and, you know, Whitless and we grew up in the 90s, people talking about acid rain and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is not a foreign concept, but for whatever reason, 2008, people just didn't have the appetite for it. And I think also <laughs> the fact that they kind of, um, at least for a portion of it, of the of the movie. And I think a lot of in, in a lot of the way that it was marketed, they almost suggested that it was like terrorism more than anything, yeah. which was obviously something that was way more top of mind for us in the 2000s than, you know, uh, you know, climate change or whatever. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the other thing is, is the representation of the happening is just cutaways mm-hmm. to wind blowing through grass. Yes. That's the laziest. The way it's shot. Yeah. It's just they keep doing this thing and it's like it wouldn't have been any better if it would have had menacing music, but like it if it okay, so just as a thought exercise, if they did this again and let's say it was A24 that did, you know, let's say this movie never happened and A24 is making it because it feels like for me something that, that that they would do. If when the wind was blowing through the trees. There was some like stinging string music happening or something. Maybe that would help. But all it is, is just like 
So, man, uh, I guess maybe we're safe here. Maybe we're not. Trees <laughs> blowing. Somebody shoots themselves. Like, <laughs> right. Trees blow again. Yes. Somebody jumps off a building. Like, they just yeah. keep showing the leaves blowing in the trees. And it just doesn't hit home. It doesn't strike you as threatening. It doesn't even really make you think that much. I don't know. It's just it's poorly executed, obviously. But yeah, and my favorite part is when they have when they announce they have to outrun the wind. Right. Like, I, I don't. Is that possible? Can you outrun the wind? Yeah. Yeah. That's a James Taylor song, I think. Um, but yeah. So I'll get into my scene here. There's a couple that I think, like I said, we're, we're, I thought were, were pretty effective in this movie. Not not a lot. Like I said, overall, it's it's a weird movie. Um, I think also in 2008, like the fact that this movie got made kind of intrigued me. <laughs> um, but yeah, in any case, uh, you know what I mean? Like it was it was a weird movie to you didn't see movies like this in the theater that often back then. No, uh, no. not, not big, no. big budget releases. Um. But anyway, um, so the Central Park scene happens. Is it the? It's not the first scene, but it's very early on. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, it's a very. It is the it the very scene, first yeah. scene? It's the. It's the cold open. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. It is the cold open. I was thinking the people jumping off the building was the cold open, but you know, it's the, you're right. No, that's um, the next so it's eight thirty three. Yeah, that's right after that. So eight thirty three a.m. Uh, Central Park, New York City. The thing that is intriguing about this scene to me to start out with is there's a ton, there's tons of people. It's not like this like sparsely populated area. Like there are tons of people um, it, walking around Central Park. Um, people walking their dogs. People going out their business. People like you know look like they're on their lunch break from work. Other people like you know just recreationally walking around, roller skating, whatever the fuck. Um, and you get two women sitting on a bench. Um, you get uh, Kristen Connolly, which you would know from Cabin in the Woods. She's the she's she's the lead, you know, in Cabin in the Woods. Any genre fan would recognize her probably from that. Um, she's also in House of Cards. She's not been in a lot else. I feel like I really re- immediately recognized her from Cabin in the Woods. And I was like, oh, she's in a million things. And I looked and like, eh, she's not really. She is in a lot of things, but not a lot of things that I've seen besides Cabin in the Woods and House of Cards. Um, she was on. Um, she actually did a lot of soap opera work. She was on uh, Guiding Light and As the World Turns <laughs> uh, for, for quite a while, it looks like. Um, but again, genre fans would know her from Cabin in the Woods. And then there's um, a woman. Uh, oh, boy. I didn't write her name down. Who's the other character? She is from Goodwill Hunting. Allison Fallen. She was also. Yeah, she was also in The Fighter. She I recognize her more as a, a commercial actor. Like I've seen her in commercials and, and stuff like that and like little quick um, uh, appearances on things um, and more comedic typically in my experience. Uh, but like I said, you, you might know her from Goodwill Hunting um, and they're sitting on a park bench in Central Park. Friends, assumedly, just kind of chatting and they start out by saying something along the lines of um you know, hey, where where was I again? So they're like talking really in a very vague tone. She's like, where was I? We're like, where was I? And she was like, oh, you were at the part. And they're talking about a book that that uh, uh, the, the uh, one of them was reading. And this all happens pretty quickly. You get the creepy wind 
like you get the gust of spooky wind uh but you there's nothing to tell you that it's supposed to be threatening or spooky but you get the spooky wind and then you get this distant scream and uh Kristen Connolly's character she kind of is the only like she seems to be the last one that is noticing what's happening or the one of the last ones that's affected. So you're seeing it from her perspective. So obviously the, you know, neurotoxin that um, that is being given off by plants that is being carried on the wind that is affecting people. And within a matter of moments, it like freezes them, obviously like makes them very confused and disoriented. In some instances, it makes them like revert to something that is familiar to them. Like they'll say something that is like a non sequitur, but it is, f- you know, familiar to them in some capacity, like in this, well, I'll explain in this instance, but like later on when they have the military guy, he starts just out of the blue, you know, talking about, you know, you know, this is my weapon, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was almost like a full metal jacket type of thing where he's talking about his weapon, mm-hmm. you know, like anthropomorphizing his gun or whatever. Um, and so you're, you're confused and then you quickly identify it as like, oh, no, something is about to happen. So like the threat level goes from like zero to, you know, 100 really quickly. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. You just she hears the scream in the distance and she's like, what was that? Did you hear that? And the other woman doesn't. She doesn't really pay attention to it. And then there's this weird, almost like Lovecraftian thing where it's like a tell don't show (laughs) it's like the opposite (laughs) of what you would think where it's like i'm gonna say something scary that's happening and let your brain come up with what you're seeing instead of something you could pretty easily show um and she's like those people over there look like they're clawing at themselves and she kind of says it like kind of and that's like a really if i saw something like that I don't know that that's the way I would describe it right off the bat. I would be like, what are those people doing over there? Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) But she goes, those people look like they're so the way I took this and maybe I'm leading it uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm giving it too much credit, but I took that as now she's starting to be affected, but just surface level and everyone else is like losing their shit and are about to kill themselves. And then she's like, is that blood? You don't see any blood or anything like that. And then you just look back to because you're just seeing it from looking straight on at her. And then you turn around and everyone is frozen. Of course, you know, all you know is you just showed up to a movie called The Happening, you know, so you don't know what the fuck's going on. Uh, Everyone's frozen. And then she is confused and like she's not what the fuck what the fuck what the fuck which is what a normal person would do in this situation probably she goes claire are you seeing this which to me suggests that like she's starting to be affected in some way um and then the other woman does this like kind of half disoriented phrase where she says what page was i on and then she slowly pulls out you know, it looks like she has like knitting needles that she's using as like to keep her hair up, pulls one out and then not only stabs herself in the throat, but starts like digging around in her throat with this knitting needle. Um, and uh, uh, unfortunately, this scene, when you look about and I haven't seen it in a long time, so I was kind of like. So, you know, saw it through somewhat fresh eyes this time around, even though I knew what was going to happen, obviously. 
It was a lot more effective than I remembered because this was one of the scenes that they teased heavily in the trailer Mm -hmm. um, in the previews, which bummed me out because it would have been extremely effective if you hadn't seen it, you know, uh, for that. But and then that's it. And then it just kind of cuts away. Um, So that is the scene. It's it's quick. It's fast. It's dirty. It's uh, you don't know these characters. You never see them again. You do get brought back to this spot, which is, you know, specifically the spot in Central Park at, at the end. Um, but yeah, for, for as far as a cold open is concerned, um, you know, thought it was a pretty effective scene, set the tone. Did the rest of the rest of the movie kind of let you down? Sure. <laughs> but as far as a, a cold open and an effective scene to kind of get you psyched up and, and set you out on a good, good track, I thought it did a pretty good job. Wait, when do you co- when do you come back to the Central Park? At the end, oh no, no, I'm sorry, it's not Central Park. It's uh, it's uh, uh, it's Paris. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I was, gonna say I was this, thinking about yeah, that. That's two French people. <laughs> that's not Central. Yeah, that's not Central Park. That's Paris. But it is a similar setting. People like sitting right. there. Yeah. They're in a public park kind of thing. But yeah, no, that's Paris. Never mind. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty pretty good scene. Um, I and it is let down by a lot of them. <laughs> there, it does kind of like. I don't know. I, I think this one of this movie's main problems and not necessarily the problem with the scene is that it doesn't know its own rules. It's like, why is why is the cute blonde the last person to uh, to be affected by this toxin? Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> at least on the at least, you know, obviously you know, you've read into it that you, you feel like maybe she's being um, manipulated by it earlier than how I read it. But mm. yeah, yeah. Um, it's a part of, part of that is like, and all of these people are just frozen. They start walking backwards. It's like that really stops happening sometime into the movie where people stop doing that. So yeah, no, the plants that, are just getting stronger. That's a great point. <laughs> the movie doesn't. Yeah, they're, they're, not only are there really not rules, it's 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 they set you up to think that there are like rules of things that are going to happen that are going to be telltale yeah. signs. But then there's never any consistency with them. Yeah, I think and that's always like one of the biggest problems with this movie. I mean, aside from everything else, but like because <laughs> they're they're not using a good example from nature uh, for this happening. And then because everybody kind of kills himself in a different way, it does. It, it just feels like it's too loose. You're playing too loosey goosey with it, him night. Whereas, like, mm-hmm. if you think of, like, uh, The Last of Us, The Last of Us has, like, a lot of really good science to set up what's happening. So, like, there's really cordyceps mushrooms that control insects out in the world. Right. And the way they explained the propagation was through, like, the, the spore infestation of wheat in, uh, like, Jakarta which is like where the world like the world gets most of its wheat from is from like the, that part of Asia. And so like it, it would stand to reason that like it would also become the most easily infected by. So there's all this good science and backstory and building. And then the happening mm. is just like, what if the tree said you die? Well, what if they said <laughs> what? What yeah. if they said there's there's never because that is the thing that I think a good science fiction horror movie needs 
is some fucking science fiction. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, think of all the greatest science fiction, you know, the thing. And, you know, and they, they, you know, maybe it's not super deep, but they are talking about how, okay, so it mimics, you know, this other organisms and it tries to, no, this is just like you said, it's so surface level. And for a movie to have the science be so surface level, but also kind of simultaneously be really preachy. Yeah. It's just so hate, hateable. And also presented by mm-hmm. one of our dumbest. <laughs> Honestly, guys, thought experiment. Vin Diesel, it makes it better or worse if it's if it's Vin Diesel instead of Mark Wahlberg. Possibly better. I because uh-huh. I know Mark Wahlberg is a noted racist and Catholic. So I can't trust him at all. Vin Diesel, I yeah. like his race. I have no idea what is going on in his life. Yeah. You like his race, like, but you mean like car race? Just ambig- ambiguity all over. Yeah. I thought you you meant his his propensity to be both fast and furious. That too. Um, but uh, yeah, I here's the thing with that. Well, Anthony, what thoughts? Thoughts? Curious. Curious to your thoughts. Vin Diesel better or worse than Mark Wahlberg in this role? I have been a noted hater of Vin Diesel. And like you, I've only seen one of the Fast and Furious movies. Mm -hmm. And that's Too Fast, Too Furious, actually. Um, But Mark Wahlberg is so much more dislikable. (laughs) Like, yeah, he should have he should have been on one of the planes in 9-11. (laughs) And tried to prove himself right, really. Oh and yeah. Didn't no he say that really like the, didn't he say like the plane would have never went down if he was on yeah. it or something? Yeah. Not on my watch. Oh, he's such a piece of shit. Here's what I would yeah. say. The only reason I don't know if I would have been okay with Vin Diesel in it is Mark Wahlberg seems like that dumbass, you know, Southie kid who's like just the least dumb of all his friends so he goes so he goes to college because like maybe his parents have a little bit of money he doesn't know what to do in college he somebody gets in his ear he decides he's going to be a teacher and then he just like becomes a football coach and then like phones in his teaching you know what i mean like um i cannot abide by the idea of vin diesel being a teacher (laughs) Vin Diesel graduating with any type of diploma is irreprehensible to me as a story, as a story element. Man, Mm -hmm. I got to look this up now to see if he did, because now I'm thinking I'm wondering if he has a story like Dolph Lundgren, where like Dolph Lundgren has like two masters in like chemical engineering and shit. I wonder if Vin Diesel has that secretly in his pocket. Yeah, he's got he's got like a doctorate in philosophy or something. He's got like, like that. three yeah. STEM degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but um, but I just I can't imagine. Imagine Vin Diesel is your teacher. just imagine. Yeah, you know, I, I, honestly, just walking in with a tank top. It's it's wearing a tie with a tank top. <laughs> it's not hard for me because I went to such a dumbass rural school. I had yeah. no less than five <laughs> teachers who were also coaches. So like, yeah, like it, that wouldn't surprise no, me at all. No, you're right. I did too. <laughs> yeah, when you yes. when you go, something about his face. I don't. Something know. about it. <laughs> um. All right. 
So uh, now that we have those out of the way, it is time to vote. Mm -hmm. I am going to propose that we vote in the same order that we did. Okay. uh, That we went through it. So, Steve, what, what, what's what's your vote? Tell us, tell us what you're thinking. I just wanted to add one more note about the happening before I vote. Oh, yeah, yeah, please. Um, yeah. Zoe Des- Deschanel, uh, I, this is the first time seeing the happening post New Girl. And so mm. her character in New Girl is named Jess. And I just found yeah. it very funny at times that the little girl, her name is Jess in the happening. And so sometimes my brain yeah. was just enjoying the fact that Zoe Deschanel would say, Jess needs a sandwich at now. And I was like, yeah, it's like, that's her character in New Girl. Jess needs a sandwich. Yeah. Um, my, I just kept finding myself going, who's that girl? <laughs> it's Jess. It's Jess. Uh, yeah, my vote is going to go to Anthony. Right. I mean, obviously, I'm voting for my movie first. So as a second okay. pick, yeah, yeah. As, as, as a second pick, I'm going to go with mm-hmm. Anthony. It's a more extended sequence. You get more emotionally involved. The f- opening to the happening is fine because it's like, oh, there's a world of possibility of what could be happening. But then mm-hmm. what actually happens happens. And you go, oh, yuck, ucky, uck, uck, uck. <laughs> But that's not what we're talking know, about, Steve. I know that's not what we're talking about, <laughs> but I'm just saying, yeah. like, th- 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 this cold open could go in front of anything. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. Like, you don't see much. And even the way these characters on the bench talk and deliver is weird. Like, everybody's performance in the movie is weird. And maybe yes. you can say it's because the trees are giving them COVID brain or whatever the entire time. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is. But it's just it's mm-hmm. just so I don't know. It's so weird. It's so like laying everything out on the doorstep, and the the scene is relatively short too. It's only like two minutes. Whereas it is, yeah, it's quite smooth. It's quite yeah. Short. Whereas like I'm willing to give Anthony's choice, like from the time that she starts walking to the time that she goes through the door and like when she crosses Mm -hmm. the door and like you have this other location with the salt ring, I would start that as a new scene. But I think, Mm. you know, the the main character following the directions is a scene and it just is more effective because even though you don't get too much scary until like the very last moment, there is just something like, the way it's winding you down a hallway that's dark mm. and you know you you get an effective you know uh emotional connection again through both her younger self and her current self so yeah uh, it's also just well shot and just you know it's it, you're always squinting into the fog or squinting off into the distance trying to see something trying to figure something out so yeah i, th- I just mm. think it's more effective but it's not better than Monster Truck Crazy Demolition Derby. You guys are stupid. <laughs> but what, ab- but what about the? But what about the wind, though? Yeah, pretty scary. Stuff. Yeah. Guess what? There's wind in both of our movies too. <laughs> There's a wind in yours. 
Sure there is. The wind <laughs> carries the smoke up. When the trucks, the winds carry the oh, smoke. And the true, trucks true. go by really yeah, fast. There's that too. <laughs> when the trucks go by really fast, yeah. there's a bunch of wind. Bunch of wind. <laughs> All right. All right, Anthony. What are, what are your thoughts? What are you voting on? Okay. So I was trying to think of what's the criteria for voting. Are we uh, like, what's my criteria for voting? Like whether or not is the is the scene such a standout against the rest of the movie? Obviously, I'm picking my fir- mind first. Let's mm-hmm. get that out of the way. Um, like, is this movie such a this piece such a standout of an otherwise terrible movie? Um, and I don't know if either one really stands out in terms of that either way. Um, I think the happening, I think it's the best scene in the movie, but it fits in with what we eventually do see. Um, you know, there are like those. The same vibes. It's not like something. It like certain scenes that I mean that, that were talked about. Like I think the Jason X the trees again the beating the the campers against the tree. <laughs> That's such a self-contained moment in that movie that is different than everything else you see. Mm-hmm. And I think here both both the happening the, that scene fits in with the rest of the movie as does um, the. Uh, the scene for Maximum Overdrive. I will say um, The Happening is my second favorite movie we covered in which a vague event out of human control occurs, which causes inanimate objects to come to life for the sole purpose of killing humans, forcing those humans from their homes. A character has a conversation with said inanimate object. The character is run over by a lawnmower and everything ultimately ends by cause of an other vague event out of human control occurring. Yeah. <laughs> is, is your favorite maximum overdrive <laughs> yeah yes i mean i think my brain is a, i was gonna say because they both warped. all those things happen in both yes. movies i think <laughs> yeah. yes yes uh i think my brain is a little warped because when steve picks maximum overdrive and because i i do a bad movie podcast i was like well maximum overdrive is kind of awesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like is it bad yeah. so i do i think i do have to pick monster trucks blowing up despite the fact that i it's arguably a bad movie, but I think it's still a, a pretty good one. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. So that is my long, my long winded set way of saying that while the happening is definitely a worse movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the scene from maximum overdrive is a better, a better move, part of that movie. Okay. Yeah. Listen, fair enough. I'm not the happening sucks. I, if we're talking about movies that are less bad, I'm going to lose. Yeah, um, I, th- I think you did the best job at picking the worst movie. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll take that. Um, all right. Bad. Dang it. Um, I will say this. I yes, I very much like Maximum Overdrive better as a movie. Um. I'm a little torn here. I'm a little torn here because I like Maximum Overdrive as a movie. I don't even necessarily think this is the best part of the movie or the best scene in the movie. Um, Anthony, your pick, I really liked it. It was it was definitely the most effective part of of any of it, but it also kind of wasn't even really a like it was the least horror related part. Um, but it was decidedly a horror anthology, so it's hard to say that that. And you know what? Even though the last little three second thing, you know, Bing Bong Daddy's a vampire, 
it did make it a horror movie. <laughs> so like, if it if it served any purpose to your benefit is that you can't say it wasn't a horror movie when daddy's got big stretchy mouth. Um, yeah. So for that reason, I think I got to I got to go with Anthony's pick. It was very effective. It was so dramatically different than any other part of the movie, which I couldn't have cared less about any of the characters in any of the other <laughs> segments of the movie. And in this instance, it did. It felt like a weird, well executed, artistically shot. Um, emotionally driven sequence in it's like if you're going through the 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 you know the five dollar dvd bin at walmart and you're just finding like medea goes to jail and shit like that <laughs> oh, and and you know a fucking paw patrol dvds and then all of a sudden you find you know fucking you know godfather 2 or something you're like whoa that was weird that didn't seem like it belongs here um so for that reason i think i think i gotta pick anthony's first as much as it pains me to hand the championship belt over in the month of my birth to a guest <laughs> um, i think i gotta pick anthony's shameful oh, man i just came in here and david arquetted this thing <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I don't even know what's going to happen yet. I think we got to cancel the. I think we got to stop the podcast. <laughs> over. I, mean, I, I think know. it's done. I think, I think it's our last episode. <laughs> I got. I got a question before we try to go move on to those bigger questions. Do you think yeah. like the last five seconds of Spooky Grave Encounters face? Do you mm-hmm. think that was like tacked on to make it fit with the anthology? You know what I'm saying? Like, like a, a lot of. A lot of these anthologies kind of just like scoop up films that are out there looking Mm -hmm. for a place to go. And like, they're just like, okay, you can be a part of our anthology, but you have to have spooky, scary face at the end because we're all doing spooky, Mm -hmm. scary face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels to me, it feels that way. It definitely feels that way that this was uh, just like I said, I think I said earlier, it was like, oh, I forgot to make this a horror movie. Man, let me throw something in this. Because, um, like, right the cause like the last <laughs> no, two shots, yeah. like the scary dad in the chair, uh, the actress isn't in that shot, and then it's a it's kind of a wide shot of that empty set. So it's like yeah. maybe they just did a couple quick two tree reshoots without the actress, and they're like spooky dad and temple and yeah. uh, scary now. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. there's really nothing about Father's Day anywhere earlier that I can remember. Maybe there was. I, I did find myself thinking that it would be really funny if the, you know, you see the tape and it's like from dad, you know, the tape and she pops the tape in. And if it was just like Steely Dan or Rush or something, some dad, <laughs> some dad band. It was just some like dad dad's rock. tunes. <laughs> Dad's rocking tunes. Bob Seger. Um, cr- yeah, you might out. be right. <laughs> Last will and testament. Yeah. <laughs> I taped over my Seeger for this. Damn it. Um, <laughs> so. But yeah, I mean, I guess there is a shot of her screaming, so there had to be some mm. sort of resolve. Mm. But that could have been that could have been as ambiguous as the rest of the movie, too. All right. Damn. True. All right. Well. The one thing we do know Anthony gets to do 
is Anthony gets to pick mm. our punishment film. I do. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I gotta think you, about yeah, it. Obviously, I have not thought about this. <laughs> you're welcome to come back and do that episode as well next week. But sure, you get to pick mm-hmm. our punishment. Okay. Yeah, I'll give some thought. My first initial thought is wouldn't be a bad idea to just cover holidays but i'll, I'll think of give it a little more thought than that <laughs> yeah let's yeah let that, that yeah we can we can surprise we can surprise the 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 boys and ghouls at home uh on what that uh, what that punishment movie is going to be keep in mind that you also if you're going to be a guest you also have to watch the punishment episode which i have on occasion forgotten myself and then been like why did i say i would watch that again? um but uh but generally it's worth it so all right, guys, any other final thoughts on uh, on these here uh, good scenes in bad movies before we uh, before we wrap this some bitch up? I think you're both wrong. Fucking explosions rule. <laughs> <laughs> and by both. You did just pick explosions. <laughs> explosions are awesome, especially when they're real. I'm just so I'm just so starved for non special effects explosions, non CGI. Yeah, I'm sure. so starved for non CGI. Yeah. I get so horny when I see it real. <laughs> I'm just imagining Steve laying in bed at night, like looking at his phone, just going on YouTube and typing in real explosion compilations, yeah. and just sitting there going, "Awesome!" Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> Falling asleep to explosions. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, tune in next week um, when we talk about um, whatever the hell punishment uh, movie Anthony decides to uh, to uh, to punish our insulin asses with. Um, also, <laughs> uh, as always, go f- you know go over on the social medias and follow us. And if you want to give us one of them five star reviews on the on the podcatcher apps, that's always welcome. Uh, send us a little DM. Uh, and we'll send you some game old stickies in the mail as well. We got some Halloween Forever stickers uh, that we'll send your way. And then Anthony, remind us one more time where can uh, where can we find you? Oh, obviously on a uh, you know wherever uh, better podcasts are sold, um, we can find you. But what what's some what's some socials that uh, the boys and girls can check you out at? Yeah, we're uh, TikTam Pod. That's T C T A M Pod on Twitter or X. Uh, unfortunately. Uh, instagram and threads i guess who cares another social media app <laughs> yeah tick tampod um also they call this a movie on tiktok so check us out there and yeah i think those are the, all the places we're not on blue sky or anything like that because i don't really want to go through another finding another audience on another <laughs> so it's so exhausting <laughs> i'm th- i'm i'm getting to the point in my life where i'm almost fuck social media old like I'm almost yeah. that age where I just want to delete everything um, besides maybe Instagram. But anyway, guys, thank you, Anthony, for coming on. It was a lot of fun, as always. Uh, looking forward to yeah. having you back, whether it's on our punishment episode or hopefully another time down the road. If you'll grace us with your presence, it's always, always fun. Um, and for the Halloween is Forever crew, I'm Brian. I'm going to explode. <laughs> 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 All right, see you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.